You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Coach Brett with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey, on this show, we have a whole bunch of cool stuff. First off, we're going to start with an interview with Bill Porter from Sunto, all about the Sunto Ambit 3 that's coming out. It's a Bluetooth watch. It does everything. And I'm using the Sunto Ambit 2, and it already, I thought it did everything. <laughs> and the Ambit 3 is coming out, and this thing just knocks it out of the park. It's so cool. So we're going to have a phone interview with him describing how the Ambit works and what's coming and all the details about it. And then I answer some email questions, and we're going to go over the differences between dextrose, sucrose, fructose, how they work, and then also how much you should stretch and if you should do it before and after your workouts and then also how to become a better runner we have an email question from amy k it's asking hey she's got the uh the swim and the bike down but what do you do to become a better runner that was my situation as well and i eventually rounded out my running to be as good as my swim and my bike and i'm going to tell you how i did it and some ideas on how you might do it as well so and then after that we have the training log for like two hours of audio combined. I take you with me training at the Ironman level, half Ironman and Ironman level, and tell you how I do it, what I eat, how hard I go, how, how I do everything. It's just super, super detailed, and people love that kind of stuff. So you get to be my training buddy for a couple of hours. I get to go out with you on your bike ride and on your runs, and it's good stuff, so... Let's go ahead and get started with the interview with Bill Porter. Let's call him up on the phone. Bill, where are you at? Ah, there you are. Let's go. Hello again. Hey, I think it's working. Yeah, sounds like it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm always impressed when technology actually works. <laughs> well, it's funny. My, my, well, my, my daughter was over in China and... <laughs> We could not uh, text her or anything else, uh-huh. and and um, you know, no no Facebook, no email, but we we could go uh, FaceTime her, like like nobody's business. And I go, this, this is this is showing up. This is the future. You're going to be making phone calls, looking at somebody out of screen. Yeah, that's crazy. Now sometimes the really high tech version is easier than the old tech. So, well, cool. Are you are you ready to give us some some lowdown on some answers to questions about the ambit? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I figured that was the, the, kind of the best way to go. And if there's something I don't know, I'll have to get back to you on it. But uh, <laughs> each of you guys give you a place to start with it. All right, so we have with us on the phone Bill Porter, who is with Sunto. How's it going, Bill? Yeah, twenty nine years. <laughs> and. This is too bad you're not down here like that one time where we hung out and ate Freebirds together. And then you were showing me the the watch and all that cool stuff. That was a good time. That was. Oh, and then... I got to see the, the famous Freebirds. 
Yeah, and then uh, remember the time I stayed at your house for uh, nationals and your, your cat was trying to attack me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, hey, hey, uh, that cat ran ran <laughs> ran me into a corner, man. I was like, holy cow. So. <laughs> well, my favorite time is I actually got to have a nice dinner with your, your wife Emily and her friend. Oh, that yeah. was special. Yeah, that was. That was good. All right, let me um let me dig up questions. So Bill went to what was it? It's the it's called the Outdoor Retailer Expo or or what is it called in Salt Lake City? It's, it's the Outdoor Retailer Show. It's the largest um, trade show. It's, it's not a uh, consumers aren't uh, allowed to come in. It's the largest trade show for backpacking, trail running. Uh, kayaking, paddleboarding, just, just all, all the fun sports you can possibly imagine. I know if and I went to, twice a year, it's all like. If I went to that, I'd max out my credit card in about twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so awesome. Uh, let's see. So what I did is I sent Bill uh, some questions, and uh, let's see. The first one that I sent you was okay. The Ambit, the the Ambit Three is a. It seems to me a huge part of it is the app to go along with it on the iPhone. Correct. Um, it it looked like it was like so so much integrated that it was really kind of mind blowing. It did some really cool stuff and. A question I had, it, it seemed like that it could do live tracking and maybe that's like coming and it's just kind of hard to tell. Did, did you get any word on whether or not it was going to, people were going to be able to follow a, uh, an Ambit 3 user out in the field? Yeah, I, I, and uh, I, your friend Marcus was there, so I got, he, I got to speak with him about it. Uh-huh. And that's, that's upcoming, that will be coming. Uh, like everything else is, and I have a lot more sympathy now for uh, technology designers. Nothing stands still, and so sometimes if you wait to get everything you want in it, you know, you'll, well, you'll never reach that point because this technology will move along or something else will come along. So that is that is being discussed, and probably you'll, there's uh, a chance of seeing that somewhere after the first of the year. Oh, cool. Yeah, it seemed to me like it looked like all the pieces to make that happen looked like it was there, possibly. But I, I explained to people that uh, Sunto is a lot like Apple, where just because you can do it doesn't mean you will. You want to do it right, and um, the quality of like Sunto stuff just doesn't seem to crash. <laughs> Well, we won't say never, never. but we, we try really hard. Yeah, and so, so it's if it's buggy or it hasn't been really been worked out yet, they hold off until it works really, really well. And um, anyway, so okay, that's a that's a cool answer. All right, um, will it still upload automatically to Strava? I'm gonna guess yes because that's really cool. Yes. Okay. Um, and you can do it through your through the iPhone now, so, so you don't have to get back to your laptop. Oh, okay. So I oh straight from the phone I can I can upload upload. So um, yeah, that, well does it does it do the thing where um let's say you get back to your house, yeah, and you just tell your you stop the workout on the watch 
and then it transfers the workout to the phone and then the phone to the internet? Yeah, the phone, well, the phone will send it to Moose County, and from Moose County it'll go to wherever you need it to go. Okay. All right. And then how long does it take to transmit the swim data from the from the uh, heart rate strap to the watch? And why I'm asking that is it's got this... Um, it seems to have a memory chip in the in the in the heart rate strap that while you're um, while you're swimming, it's recording data, and then um, uh, any kind of digital transmission doesn't like to go through water. So you wait until you're like standing at the end of a set, and then it'll burst mode the data of your heart rate to the watch for your watch to record. So did you find out like? Is it like ten seconds for like a for an interval where you where you need to wait between intervals for it to catch up or or how long? Well, first of all, something I found out just is kind of a um, one of those things that'll come out. It's important that anybody that uses the strap because it's basically a, a similar to what we used to call a uh, a memory strap. Mm-hmm. You still need the watch to turn the belt on and off. So if you just go to the pool one day and don't bring your watch and you just pop in and expect the belt to record information, it won't. It needs you to activate it on the watch, and then you can leave your watch in your locker or your bag or whatever. Oh. Um, or you can wear it. Yeah, but I would you need to it. turn it on and off with a watch. Okay. Um, I, I, and it's going to depend how long your, your, um, your intervals are, how long your workout is. Um, when I talk to um, uh, Marcus again, I mean, if you, it's even feasible that if you would just do a lap and then you put your hand, if you, you stop for a second and um, the belt's above water and your, your, your wrist is above water, it'll take about two seconds for that lap to transfer into the watch. Okay. And it, so you're, you're probably talking, depending, it's a really long work out it may take a few minutes but generally you're talking seconds okay cool yeah so this is a really good this is the uh, are y'all the only watch that does that this burst mode where it transmits to the watch um from the heart rate yeah, the only one i know only one i know of that's really cool takes care of a big problem <laughs> now we got heart rate on the swim it's cool well right. I, I think it's, it's kind of cool too because we're always talking about you know, running, running, listening to your body as opposed to the technology. And, and this is actually going to be able to get you can wear the belt, but leave the go for your workout, your ride, your swim, your bike, leave, leave the watch back home or throw it in your pack or something. And then, uh, you know, you'll, you can get done and you, you can actually see how you feel as opposed to what, what actually your body was doing. Yeah, you can do an interval and swim what you think is pretty hard. And then look at the heart the heart rate graph afterwards, the numbers, and then say, "Oh, I wasn't going as hard as I thought I was." That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then, as a coach, I can look at people's heart rate on the swim after the race and say, "You went mm-hmm. way too hard on the swim, or you could have gone a little bit harder on the swim." So now I'm guessing, right? I'm just kind of eyeballing it and going, "Well, I don't know. It looks like you were going kind of yeah. fast, but it's hard to tell." Okay. 
let's see. I had uh, another one. I had was with the uh, with the cable. Will the old Cento cable, like from an Ambit two, work with the new watch? Yes. Cool. Because I like to have a cable at home and at work and in my car and at Freebirds. <laughs> but but that now that would just be for charging, right? Because we can just upload right off the watch to the internet or off the phone. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's always, it's always the case that, that maybe, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, and I don't, I'm not speaking definitive, but, you know, if there's some updates or anything else that Doing that through the cable maybe a little bit faster than trying to do it through the phone. Yeah, it but, should um, be. Yeah, the cable's basically for charging that. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and I have a, <laughs> another question about the the heart rate strap. Um, how, what are what are what are y'all going to suggest people do? Like, if you push off the wall, a heart rate strap slips down on people a lot. Are there any tricks to keep it on? Like I was thinking, I would even put on a piece of duct tape. That having the heart rate data is worth it. So, is there? You know, that's one I don't have an answer for yet. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it'll 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 it'll, it'll develop as we, we go along. I mean, one of one of the nice things about it is, is that the the disc, the puck on it now is actually. A little bit smaller than the width of the, width, width of the strap, so you're not going to have this big, um, especially if they take a larger disc, it's going to catch some resistance. But on that, I don't have a, have a good answer for you. Okay. So, what, if people are listening to this and they're wondering, um, I would experiment with little pieces of tape. And like I always say on the show, don't worry what other, peop- what other people might think of you. You'll never get anywhere if you worry. <laughs> what other yeah. people think of you okay and then I just got an email from Michael Dirksen and he's really excited about the Ambit 3 um, and he had a really good question let me pull it up and I'm gonna ask you this one once I find it here uh, it was about the number of because it's Bluetooth the number of devices you can connect to and where did it go Okay. This one's interesting. So he said um, the the downside to Bluetooth only um, is that it only connects to a single device. So I guess like if you had a if you have a Bluetooth power meter, well then if it connects to your Bluetooth watch, let's say a, an Ambit three, then will it not? Connect to the to his laptop, or is it like a uh, one-to-one connection, and then it's kind of taken? Yeah, uh, and, and, and I'm not. We did there was some discussion on it, and I may get back to you on it. But yeah. when I my understanding and his question may be, if you have say two bikes and two different power meters, Bluetooth power meters, yeah, you can only have it connected to one. It won't. It won't. You can't go from one power meter to the other. Oh. Have it, it connected. Oh. Huh. And, yeah. I, and I'll, I'll try to because I know that came up and that, that's um, 
actually one of the reasons we're not, and I know this question came up, we're not an Android yet because there's there's more limitations on the Android system with a, the multiple uh, connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's good that you're going Bluetooth because that's the way everything's going, and you might as well go now. And I'm what? Do you think uh, Bluetooth has better battery life over Ant? I think it does, doesn't it? Um, from what I, I talked to, it's it's going to be pretty close to, yeah. to the same. There's other things that really affect the battery life more than. Um, yeah, they're both pretty good. Yeah. So what what one of the things that was interesting is the the um, filtering on the on the Bluetooth is actually better. Yeah, a little bit better on the Ant Plus, and and Ant Plus is a great system. I'm, I'm not or Ant Plus is still a wonderful system. So I'm not. It's it, it got it's really really good. So I'm not putting it down. But I know once in a while if you you've ever seen a spike on your your Ant Plus heart rate monitor when you first start out. That's something that's going to happen much less frequently on a Bluetooth heart rate monitor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's worth people looking into. Like um, Bluetooth is a, um, I don't, I, I think it's a more recent developed wireless technology. I know the the latest Bluetooth is, and um, because it's been developed later, it has it's just got more features with it. Like like one you just named the. Um, yeah. The filtering out of things, and uh, I mean, it is the standard for lots and lots of wireless stuff. So it's um, pretty advanced. Um, let's see. I think that's all the questions I had. Do you, ha- do you have anything else? Like, uh, how's it? How's the reception on the Ambit Three? It's, it's been excellent so far. I mean, it really comes out um, September one. It'll start showing up in shelves. It- they're doing beta testing on the um, the uh, the software in the app now, and then you'll see. Like I said, uh, it'll definitely be on September first. Uh, one thing did come up. I, I did read all your your thing. People asked us about the, a vibration feature. Oh yeah. It's in the app for three. You know, it was again talking to Marcus. This is something that uh, people wanted to go with, or people. Some wanted, some wanted. They decided to not go with it this time. It's not something that we're going to be able to uh, add add into the, the current watches. But I, I think somewhere down the road, given space limitations, you, you may see it in a couple of years or something. We'll want to wait and see. But it was discussed. We're not ignoring it. Yeah, vibrate would be really, really cool. I, I, I've never had a device with vibrate on it, and I think in my mind, in my imagination, it sounds great. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I think yeah. the thing that would be good. Yeah, just that, yeah, you know, when you space out once in a while, you get that, you know, you may not be paying attention to that little tingle or whatever, you know, yeah. and so on. I guess, so I guess some of the things to talk about, too, is the fact that, um, you're going to be able to receive up to three lines of text. Yeah. You are going to be able to get push messages, and you are going to get the phone notifications. Oh, yeah. we got so, to talk about that. That is super cool. So Yeah, so that's going to be... Um, it's, it's interesting. It's kind of like um, just enough smartwatch right now until things settle down, <laughs> right? So 
the um, right. it'll display messages. People, you know, until like Apple like hits the market with a smartwatch, people don't even know which way this thing's which. Right, consumers don't know, and a lot of companies don't know what's going to sell in a smartwatch. It's people are guessing a lot right now on what'll work, yeah. and what definitely works is alerts that you've got a text message and or anything that pops up on your phone screen that's an alert will pop up on the Ambit, which is really cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We were involved um, about 12 years ago in the Microsoft Spot technology, which is actually... Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways, it was the original smartwatch. Um, and it, it basically what I was very using, they were using band frequency off a radio station to mm-hmm. send messages to your watch. And... Um, it, it, it has some kind of neat features, but at the time the consumer said, I can get all this off my phone. Why do I want this? Yeah. And why do I want to work off this tiny little tree? So uh, it, it was kind of a, um, well, again, one of those technologies that uh, fell by the wayside. And that was before um, text messaging really took off in the United States. I think it was probably already big in Europe. But text messaging took a long time to catch on here in the United States, and then people finally figured it out. And um, I think teenagers figured it out and <laughs> started using yeah. it. And then it just exploded. And yeah, so I'm in I'm in a meeting at work, or I'm talking to somebody, and my phone is, um, or I'm driving, and um, instead of having to dig out my phone, I can just flip over my wrist and look at that and see what the message says. Or I got a, an yeah. alarm set, or I've got a uh, yeah, like a meeting at six o'clock, or uh, I've got an, an, an email I need to check. So I'm really excited about that. That's pretty cool. I, I always, I always, I always think of our friend Coach Adam getting his, his business meeting update in the middle of his workout on yeah. his watch now. <laughs> or, or for that matter, how about the um, you're in a, in a race, you want to know where you where you stand in the overall field? Well. Your coach should let you know now. Oh, I didn't think about that. That is super sneaky. That could send you a text message. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, Coach Adam would... Um, <laughs> we'd be running together, then he'd just start yelling at, at his... Uh, he'd look at his, look down at his phone, and then he'd start yelling at, at the trees, you know? Like, I don't have time for this right now. Why can't they get their act together? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh! Uh, yeah, yeah. The other, yeah, the other thing coming up with this is um, quite a, a bit of um, video content. I don't know where you're actually going to take the information off, watch, off the watch and put it lay it over, overlay it on the video. Yeah, so you so can actually create a little bit of more of a story. And then there's a you're also going to be able to lay um, your track on a, on a, in a three D Yeah, kind of like a fly-through, but with your data on it for your route? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a really great way to get people to come do that race with you next year, right? So let's say I do uh, Rocky Raccoon, and I'm like, well, there's more to the race than just uh, peeing blood and DNFing at mile 55. There's all this other cool stuff. 
right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's this hill and this this run through the forest and this lake that we're running around. It's beautiful. You got to come out and do it. And uh, for the other, yeah, the other thing we because actually that technology, some of that little bit of that existed on the T six. Uh-huh. And what you could do is you could post the ride and you, and you say, okay, when you see this, this is where you turn. Or this, this, is, this is where the hill starts. Oh. You have an image there as opposed to just a little you know, picture on the map. Oh, so more like a, a pre-race ride through. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I was going to do that for, or I want to do something like that for the Iron Baby that to get people to come down. So they're going to be able to. Now, does do you did you see it like if it'll lay your own numbers over that, or is it just kind of a fly through without any numbers on it, or do you know? Um, no, you saw. I, I you can do both. Okay. Cool. Yeah, because I saw I saw what I saw was still shots of it working, and it looked really neat, kind of like an Instagram photo, but with your um. Yeah, your current miles per hour and time, your heart rate and time travel and things like that. That was neat. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. And you can see how you the lifetime tracking because it's that far much of a leap from there. No, not at all. You, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's why it kind of came to my mind. I'm like, oh man, that's everything in place to live track. Be pretty neat. Yeah. Well, cool. So what do you? What's up next? What are you doing? Where are you going? What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I just dropped my, my daughter off in New York City for two more weeks of uh, dance, and I'm driving home. Oh. So just keeping keeping busy. What kind of dance? Uh, one thing I do. Yeah. One thing I do oh. want to mention, though, it's really important. People for people realize is we are still going to be doing updates for the the two the two series for quite a while. We're not not walking away from her or anything. And the two is, is, if you don't want that, um, you're not, you don't necessarily need or want that interconnectivity with your mobile device, there, there's some incredible deals on the two series out there right now. Right. Whether it's the, uh, the 2S or the, uh, the 2, um, the 2. Yeah, and that's what I'm wearing right now is a 2, and it the thing is bulletproof. It's, ama- it's such an amazing watch. I love it. It's great. So you can't go wrong, one way or the other. Cool. Well, awesome, man. Yeah. Yeah, so my only thing is I, I was supposed to be doing the Spartan uh, uh, Race uh, Beast again this year in September, so we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> I've heard that are kind of hard. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. And then one of these days I'm going to come out for the Iron Baby. Oh, that would be rad. That would be really, really cool. Yeah, it's it's any distance you want, so you can make it as hard as you want. You can you can do the half distance on purpose, right? Or a quarter distance on purpose. You can skip the bike and just do a swim run, or you can try to do the full thing and, until you don't want to go any farther. And uh, it's any which way you want to do it. It's laps. So yeah, I'm, unfortunately, I'm one, I have one of those personalities that you know. I'll, cr- I'll crawl across the finish line, but I, I have to do the whole thing. It well, can take days. Cost hundreds of lives, but I'll do the whole thing. We got a beer sponsor, so we'll be out there waiting for you. It, All right, well, who's, who's the beer sponsor? Um, 
across the street from me lives a guy that um, owns, he started up his own microbrew company and um, it's, uh, it's really, really good. It's still really small and local, but um, he's going, for the past two years, he's put a pony keg out there for us. Wow. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's a good time out there having a keg party out in our front in our front yard <laughs> with people running in Iron Man. <laughs> and then we order pizza and have it delivered to the house and the pizza guy is always like, What in the world is going on here? We're like, Wait, you want some want some Perfect. beer? You hang out, man. It's good times. Yeah. I, I thought we were all over the scarbo loading thing. Um, no, it's Carbo Recovery. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, when's when SOS? Um, I'm not doing it this year. I know it's the beginning of September. So. No, I, for some reason I thought you were going to come out again for it. Um, it's, uh, it's a little bit too much traveling, uh, for right now with our budget. So we're trying yeah. to, we're, uh, we got, we got to get Kai a new bike for um for road triathlon stuff he outgrew his bike his knee started hitting the handlebars and that <laughs> we're like well i guess we got to get you a new bike so we got to we got to save up for that so it's going to be a little while so we're going i'm going to race local down here i'm doing uh austin 70.3 i saw that yeah and then that'll be a big race for me and then just a couple weeks later do the iron baby so I'm using the Austin race to train for the Iron Baby. Wow, that that's great. Oh, thanks. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I remember when I started listening to you, I don't know how many years ago. Yeah. And uh, it, it's been a great journey. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. It's good stuff. If you take it slowly, it, it just grows over time, you know? It's not too much. So... Well, I, I think that's all I've got for you on uh, product right now. I mean, the, the only other thing I, I would pass on is uh -huh. um, between the, the two, the peak and the um, and the uh, free sport. The if, you, if you're going to do an Ironman, invest in the in the peak because it's got it's got twice the battery life. Yeah. The, you know, the, the, the two, or the two, the three, four, it works just fine, too. Um, which one, the blue one is really pretty. Did you, have you seen the blue one? Yeah, unfortunately, that's the, uh, that's the fourth. Oh, man. <laughs> I like that blue one. That's cool. That's, uh, that's a real common blue that's in race cars. I like that. Uh, it, 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 yeah, it's... it's yeah. As far as the color goes, it just came out beautiful colors. Uh, uh, the other, other other note I'll put in there is where the um, the three only does bluetooth. We, we decided we were we were we were going to commit totally to the new technology and not try to do both. Yeah. So unfortunately, if you if you have a, a two now and you have a amp or amp plus belt. That belt is not going to cross over to the um, 
the three. Yeah, yeah. There's not enough room in the watch to do both chipsets. So, I, yeah, and, and, and elite development room down the road. Yeah, and for people that want that have to do both, I know that there's a heart rate strap, and there's some other companies that do similar. I think it's V and then four eyes or something like that. It's a heart rate strap that'll take incoming ant. Like, say you don't want to upgrade your, or you can't upgrade your power meter to Bluetooth yet. You can wear this heart rate strap, and it'll take incoming ant from anything and retransmit it as Bluetooth. And then your watch can pick up Bluetooth. That's actually a really smart solution. So I was. Yeah, I saw that. I agree. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about doing that. Um. If I needed to, like say I'm, it's going to be a while to upgrade my power tap or something. Then um, power tap makes a Bluetooth adapter, by the way. And a lot of power meters are Bluetooth now. But you can wear this heart rate strap while you're on the bike, or on the run part too. I guess it doesn't really matter. And then, um, like say you're doing an Ironman or a half Ironman, a, a triathlon, when you um, get on the bike, you put on this heart rate strap, and it'll transmit all your blue, all your ant stuff to Bluetooth to your watch. And then that can be your your stopgap, your bridge, um, for a while until you get everything right. to Bluetooth. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I geek out on this stuff. I've already researched it all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the power tap, um, you can buy, you can unscrew the, the cap on it and then put a, um, a Bluetooth one on there instead. It's pretty neat. And then you got a Bluetooth power tap. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for calling in. And I'll talk to you more soon, all right? Yeah, and, and like I said, we, if anybody's got some follow-up questions or not clear on anything, uh, let me know, and I, I will get more definitive information. Okay, how do they get in touch with me? Best, best, you know what? Best, it would probably be going for you. Okay. <laughs> We'll do okay, you can forward the questions on to me. Okay, cool, we'll do that. Alright, thanks, Bill. Alright, hey, have a good one. Alright, I'm back. <laughs> oh, man. I love this time jumping stuff. It's now a few days later. <laughs> I'm, I'm on, uh, I'm in my living room. Emily has taken Kai and his uh, best friend out to go uh, eat grab some grub. I think it's Subway or something. It's going to give me a few minutes to to uh, record some good stuff here. I went on a great bike ride this morning. Good numbers, and I am happy, man. So let's cover some news, some triathlon news, before we get to answering the emails. The news is brought to you by CompeteHub.com, and we'll talk more about them on the backside. All right, let's see. There was... An incident where the British Border Patrol, they call it something else over there besides Border Patrol, but the British Border Patrol stopped a guy trying to swim the English Channel. It was an Australian guy that's about 41 years old that is doing, oh, it's something from the UK to Paris, some kind of big thing that people try to do, and it includes a swim across the English Channel. I don't know if he registered with the English Channel swimming officials of some sort, and if he didn't, then I'm all for that. I love this <laughs> this rogue stuff where you just do it anyway, and the uh, as long as it's safe. And uh, people on shore called up the border patrol saying that it looked like somebody was trying to swim ashore. 
um, and uh, illegally immigrate, and the Border Patrol only um, stopped him for a few minutes and let, then let him keep on going. And let's see, that's a 21-mile swim. And apparently he's trying to break the record, I think, for the London to Paris. I, I forgot where the starting point is. But anyway, um, Interbike is going on, and this is the European bike show that is incredible. It has tons and tons of vendors there. So you can go to dcrainmaker.com, slowtwitch.com, triathlete.com, and catch updates like Interbike Day 1, Interbike Day 2. I saw... Uh, for example, uh, Profile Design has some kind of new hydration system for the front of your bike. Um, tons and tons of power meters. Just power meters out the wazoo. Pedal-based power meters, for sure, which I'm actually a big fan of. I'm, I'm not sure that they're nailed down exactly right the way they, they want to be. Garmin introduced a left-sided only. Um, Polar introduced a... The ability to do left-sided only. Polar's had it for a while. Garmin seems to be still working out the kinks, but I think they've got it. Um, I'm trying to think. There's another company where you can attach a pedal meter, and instead of it being in the pedal or a power meter, instead of it being in the pedal or in the crank, it's actually you can apply it yourself, <laughs> and the wire is hanging off the, the crank arm. It's, that's and there's more, just tons and tons more. Um, there's one where it's totally encased inside the pedal instead of like a pod hanging off the side. And I I think my personal opinion is um, one-sided pedal is great for triathletes. Um, and then you can undo it and then put it, uh, swap it between bikes, all that you want. And um, I also have another opinion that the left-right balance is is uh, all these all these uh, metrics where it shows on a graph, like how much you're doing on the left versus the right, with pictures of the crank and which angle you were putting out the most power and stuff like that. I think that that can be overkill because my. People fiddle around with stuff too much and don't actually exercise. And they need to be exercising instead of trying to press buttons and look at things and, and uh, doing too much. And and I don't know. I, I see this in swimming all the time where people are at the edge of the pool and not swimming when they need to be swimming. And they're, you see them like doing their hands and they're kind of thinking through the stroke and all this stuff. It's like, no, just swim, man. The more you swim, the better off you'll be at swimming. And with the biking, it's just bike, just freaking bike. And um, power is really, really good. And But I, I'm just thinking that left-right power uh, might be just a little bit much for your average person. Now, left-right power is good if you're trying to improve um and move up a podium place or trying to qualify for Kona or something like that, and you're looking for that extra 5%. Or um, maybe if you've got some kind of problem, you know, some kind of pain, and you're trying to analyze it, but um, that's more of a special situation. So anyway, uh, I've got word from Sunto, who we just talked to. Hold on just a second. Okay, I'm back. Sorry, I had to switch rooms. I had two nine-year-olds come crashing in. 
with food, and then Emily's talking on her phone, and she's a loud, one of those loud talkers. <laughs> and anyway, um, I got word from Sunto that they want to use uh, some of my power files, uh, well, some of my workout files, uh, in their advertising for the Ambit 3, which is so cool. And the way I felt about that is the um, all these all these years of training and record going through the ritual, the difficult ritual of trying to record everything, um, heart rate, power, uh, speed, it's just everything that that thing these things record. Um, for years and years and years has actually paid off <laughs> in a weird way, but you just never know. And um, that'll get more, that'll get some attention to uh, Zentry, and that'll uh, get more listeners to the show and grow the community. And that's uh, really cool. So I really appreciate it. Um, uh, we'll see. I, I pointed them to um, my workout files from Galveston 70.3. And also from the SOS Triathlon, which is this epic seven-stage race that I've done the past two summers. And um, hoping that uh, you never know until something's actually done out there and uh, whether or not it'll become a real thing. So, But that would be really, really cool. And let's see. Also, we have the pro list for Kona seems to be official. And... There's uh, also talk about there being more women next year. And you can listen to Endurance Planet and catch up on that drama. And it doesn't seem, as Tawny pointed out, um, she would really just like to have an official source of what's going on instead of everything being kept under wraps. Um, And that's from her reporter days. And it sucks quoting things um, that aren't actually for sure. And let me see if I go to the computer and go to Kona start list uh, 2014. Yep. Let's see if we got something. KPR update, traffleet.com. Well, that's from June 6th. And no, I don't see anything. Looking for a date. Oh, well, August 24th, updated start list. Oh, okay, here we go. Found it. you got to become a ninja. At, wait, see if Emily's coming to the door. Okay. Sebastian Keenley, it looks like he had the most points. And Frederick Van Leerd, automatic qualifier, one and two. And... Tyler Butterfield. We'll do the women here in a second. Uh, uh, let's see. Luke McKenzie. James James Kanama. I finally learned how to say his name correctly. Jan Frodino. My pick to win is Jan Frodino. And uh, I think Terenzo Bazone is freaking lethal. And he might win it too. Um, or I put Terenzo Bazone somewhere on the podium. And... I think there's Chris McDonald, Marino Van Honacker is in there, and Nico Lanos is a machine. Ferris, uh, 
Also Tan's in there. Ferris won one time. And then TJ Tolickson, Andrew Starkowitz. The thing about Kona, I'm looking through this list while I'm talking. Justin Dare got in there. He was originally from College Station, I think. Um, in fact, my friend said he used to train with him. So we'll see. Uh, Craig Alexander's in there. Tim Reed's in there. And Pete Jacobs is in there. <laughs> What's up, Pete? Uh, I'd like to do an interview with him sometime. It'd be great. And let's see. The thing about Kona, it's actually not that hilly. It's just hot, hot and humid, which the bigger people have trouble with. So you're talking like Andrew Starkowitz, for example. Um, and on the women's side, Jody Swallow, uh, doesn't try to get all crazy lean because she knows it's beyond the point. It's not healthy for you. And she's been there, done that. And so I think in the end, in a hot Ironman, I don't, I don't think it matters in a, um, in a 70.3, but by the time you get halfway through the marathon in a hot Ironman, uh, being scrawny really starts to help. Now, do you want to live your life like that? Maybe. But if you're not naturally like that, then um, you may find yourself you know, blowing up or fading towards the end of, of that. Um, let's see. Rachel Joyce, Meredith Kessler, Liz Blatchford, Carolyn Steffen, Miranda Carfrey, Gina Crawford, Yvonne Van Vlerken, Lindsay Corbin, Caitlin Snow, Elizabeth Lyles, Daniela Reif, Riff, Amber Ferreira, Melissa Hothschild, Leanda Cave, Sarah Gross, Catriona Morrison, Mary Beth Ellis, Mary, yeah, Mary Beth Ellis. The way they have the words arranged, it looks like Mary Ellis Beth. <laughs> I was like, what? Uh, Melanie Burke, Aza Lundstrom. That sounds sweet. Yep, that's Swedish. Uh, Beth Shutt, or Shoot, uh, Michelle Vesterby, Kristen Moeller, Lucy Gossage, Amanda Stevens, Jody Swallow, Sophie Goss, Natasha Bodman, who is a super-duper badass, Julia Gazer, Lisa Roberts, Corin, I'm not sure how you spell, how you say Corinne, maybe, uh, Abraham, uh, Simone Brandley, Jackie Arndt, Kimberly Schwa, Schwabenbauer, Bree Wee, with the funnest name in triathlon, and Jesse Donovan, Heather Wortley, Kelly Williamson from Austin. How's it going? She's been on the show before. Katja Konshak. And just barely missed out was Angela Nath. Um, let's see. Dirk Bockel. What's, why is his name in bold? That doesn't make sense. But anyway, uh, Dirk Bockel on the guy's side. I'm looking for any more guys. Ben Hoffman's in there. Um, anyway, I'm at firstoffthebike.com. They have a good Kona start list for you to check out. All right. That was brought to you by CompeteHub.com. And let's go over to CompeteHub.com. Bam, here I am. And let's see. All your triathlons, all your friends, all in one place. For instance, try Ironman California. They've got Ironman Hawaii here as their demo. And it says, 
18 weeks away, October 11th, 2014. It says the location, a link to the website, members competing, and uh, you can add it to your wish list or I'm participating. Course expectations. Oh, this is so cool. Better preparation with important race to information. Average water temperature, 79 degrees. Uh, average air temperature, high 83, low 81. Well, that's not really all that hot, but that humidity gets you. The bike course is closed to traffic. Water type is a bay. That's pretty cool. And then it's got a hill profile where I think you can uh, drag your mouse around on it. Yeah. Start elevation, max elevation, gain. Oh, it's only 1,100 feet of elevation gain over an entire Ironman. That's not too bad. Let's do... Um, Let's say Alcatraz. Let's type in Alcatraz. Let's see what it does. I should have I should have done this before I um No, uh, nothing for Alcatraz. Let's do I got it. Let's do seventy point three. Seventy point three and Yeah, here we go. There again. Ironman 70.3 Muskoga. One week away. Let's check out that one. Oh, Lanzarote. Wait, I'm on Muskoga. They've got a course map and a bike elevation profile. Boy, that's a little roller coaster, isn't it? No big climbs, but it's just... Wow, that's pretty cool. Um, Muskoga, Ontario, Canada. Members competing, one, it's $185. Average water temperature, 70. Air temperature, high, 63, low, 48. It's a lake swim. And let's see, dashboard clubs, log in. It's an Ironman brand race. And, oh, it's the Ironman 70.3 World Championship 2015. Is that right? Just clicked on that by a random choice. And um, two weeks away is Lanzarote. Oof. Oh. Holy crap. <laughs> That's got a hill in it. <laughs> oh my God. That's got a hill. Is that the volcano or whatever it is on that island that you got to go up? Um, it's in the Canary Islands in Spain. It says here it's two weeks away. $230, and average water temperature, 68, so bring your wetsuit. Average air temperature, 65, high, and a low of 60. Bike course is open to traffic. Water type is ocean. How about that? That's pretty cool, man. Wow, Lanzarote. I've heard that's really freaking hard. That's really, really hard. Anyway, so that's CompeteHub.com. The more people that use it, the better it gets, so get on there. All right, let's go over to, let's see. Oh, we got uh, to mention emails and donations. Okay, let's see. Todd Endicott, a new Hornet Juice user. Okay, I'm a longtime user, as you mentioned on, longtime listener, as you listen, 
mentioned in a recent podcast, you are my training buddy. I'm a big fan of your podcast with the training and life tips. You also got me hooked on Amrita bars and my Vitamix. So good. You've been a great source of motivation and inspiration. I'm very appreciative. By the way, the news with Tawny is a great addition. Very entertaining. Yeah, I love doing the news with her. And I'm just getting back into shape. I've just signed up for Ironman 70.3 Florida in April. I've done Florida, Ironman Florida back in 2008, Oceanside 70.3 in 2007, New Orleans in 2009. I did New Orleans maybe around 2009, man. I might have been there. Super Frog uh, in San Diego in 2011. That's about the time that Lance Armstrong did it. And Wildflower Long Course 2013. I'm no stranger to the needed dedication this sport requires. Yet work and a few health issues beat me down over the past three years. And now I'm coming out swinging. I'm no spring chicken, 43 years old young, is what he wrote. (laughs) But the triathlon lifestyle provides me a great motivation for my perpetual pursuit of improvement in all aspects of my life. I'm an eye surgeon by trade. I see the ravages of a sedentary lifestyle. I think that's a really good way to put it, sedentary. That's the problem in almost every patient I treat on a daily basis. basis. My patients serve as a great motivation also uh, as I don't want to become what I literally see in them. Definitely motivated me to get in the early morning runs and swims. Again, thank you very much, and I look forward to your future podcasts. All the best to you and your family. You know, Todd, I totally agree that... You have to be seeing this right in front of your face. In, from what I understand, the, the blood vessels in the eyes are uh, so tiny and, and so fragile and delicate that they start, your eyes start showing signs of your lifestyle before anything else. Or maybe not before, but it's one of the first things to, um, to show it. And yeah, you're working on people's eyes and you get to see uh, a connection probably between their body fat and their eyes and their age and kind of start connecting the dots and, and, uh, what's going on. And by the way, I'm listening to a book called fat surprise. Oh my God, it was killing me. It was so long. Anyway. Um, that's about whether or not fat's actually bad for you. So the, um, yeah, I think the, uh, the, the way, the way at my work and with my friends, um, I am definitely, most definitely the fittest person um, at my age um, and also many years younger than me of the people that I interact with on a daily basis. You know, I go to a triathlon, then I'm I'm outclassed <laughs> by, by uh, some really, really super fit people. And... Um, but yeah, the uh, the triathlon lifestyle is great because biking's fun, swimming's fun, running is fun, you know. And through the fun, you actually get fit, and you avoid this uh, sedentary lifestyle. And you know that's probably just as it's probably fifty fifty your sedent the sedentary lifestyle with uh, what you eat, you know. You can eat great, but if you're sedentary, stuff's going to catch up with you. So the whole thing is to not be sedentary and um, and eat healthy while you're on the move. 
you know, park in the back of the parking lot and walk to the store. I do that all the time. Get up and walk every hour or so at work and uh, be on your feet. It's really good for you. So thanks for the uh, email, Todd. Um, I really appreciate it. Weston Tanner sent us a donation. William Beck, Steve C., who ordered some Hornet juice. And he asked um, a question. Oh, shoot, I messed it up. Where'd it go? He asked a question about sugar that I wanted to answer. Um, when you order Hornet juice, Hornet... Uh, Oh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, there's a link on the right side of the of the podcast uh, page, zentrathlon.com, and it's got um, uh, a place where you can order Hornet juice. And Hornet juice is a, an amino acid mix that it's the craziest thing. It's <laughs> it's synthetic. It's replicated. Is the way I should put it, should say it. It's replicated uh, amino acid mix. Is, that's the same that the Japanese killer hornet uses. And the Japanese killer hornet has the longest physical exertion per body weight. So it flies miles and miles and miles and miles and miles on body fat. And uh, this blew people's minds when they figured this out. So they try to figure out what is it fueling itself with and its body fat and how is it turning on this body fat? How is it converting it to fuel? They nailed it down that it's the amino acid and it's saliva. It's crazy. Um, but then they made it in a lab and started giving it to people and holy crap, it makes your body fat, uh, turn on into fuel. It allows you to access your body fat as fuel, uh, just way, way faster and better than if you hadn't taken it. And so it's a hugely successful product that I've been selling on, on a zentriathlon.com and Zentri podcast forever. And I use it all the time and people my list of emails of, of people that have bought this and come back to buy more is uh just i think it's probably a thousand people or something it's crazy everybody loves it it comes from new zealand so the package has like really cool postage on it and uh when you buy it i give i give you um i send you a personal email letting you know that i've uh i've taken your order and i'm sending you I'm telling the people in New Zealand, Hornet Juice, to uh, send it on to you. So you get a personal email from me. You got to try it just to see if you get a personal email from me because I promise you will. And then um, then you try it on a workout, and it's super, super cool. It's so cool. And you can use it for recovery, and it's really, really powerful. Um, anyway, so that's, that's Hornet Juice. I mention it on every show. And that's on the right side of the blog. If you scroll down, there's a link to Hornet Juice that you can buy. Um, so I sent Steve an email saying, hey, your Hornet juice is on its way. And he wrote back, how are you doing? And he wrote back, uh, nice of you to inquire. I did Ironman Texas this year on minimal sugar and had a tough go of it with my worst Ironman time by a long shot. I've been talking about that lately. You need to eat enough carbs and you need to know how many carbs it is in training uh, to know what's effective. If you try to go low carb and it's too low, you will have a miserable, miserable day. And um, let's see, uh, I am doing Ironman Maryland in a few weeks and while I will continue to minimize sugar outside of major training efforts, and that's okay, I think. I am going to reintroduce sugar into my racing and see what happens. I can tell you what's going to happen. You'll be a beast, man. Uh, by the way, I know you like Amrita bars, which are mostly fructose. Sometimes 
sometime I would like it if you would share your thoughts on fructose versus glucose for racing on your show. I'm about to do that. Thanks, Steve. Also, I'm a longtime listener and love the show, and the chewing on the air makes it real. Okay, so a lot of times I drink and eat while recording. I haven't done it lately. Mm-hmm. Because it's... Um, I, I usually do it because uh, as a triathlete, you're always eating, and um, this is a podcast about the triathlon lifestyle, and to pretend like we aren't eating or drinking all the time is a lie, and that's why I do it on the show, And um, but I had gotten a couple emails from people who said they couldn't stand it. There's a thing where um, people can't stand to hear somebody else eat or drink, even though I'd make it minimal. Um, I'm eating a banana, you know, or whatever. And um, so these people tried to shame me into not doing it anymore. But I got this email from Steve who said, do it. And all right, I'll start doing it more again. <laughs> I guess it's 50-50. A lot of people just don't even care. It's real. This podcast is real triathlon. Anyway, um, so I'm pretty familiar with glucose, fructose, dextrose, maltodextrin, uh, I've missed like six of them. There's all these oses. And, but I went and found a good article that explains it all, Livestrong.com, which in spite of Lance, all the Lance drama, Livestrong uh, was, I don't know how they're doing now, but Livestrong was building a huge website data set of all kinds of health and nutrition and fitness information that... Um, is really, really, really good stuff. Actually, this article is um, August 13th, 2014. So um, let me read it to you. Uh, sugar may seem straightforward topic requiring little explanation, yet all sugars are not quite the same. Dextrose and sucrose do share a lot in common, including their ability to give you a quick shot of energy. And I'm also going to tell you what I know about it on top of the article. Uh, but they're also different in some important ways. Sucrose tastes sweeter than dextrose. That's because sucrose has fructose in it. and Which may influence the amount used when it's added to foods. The two types also do not have the same effect on your blood sugar. Okay, dextrose versus sucrose. Plants produce dextrose and sucrose, but each sugar has a different structure. Dextrose is identical to glucose or blood sugar. It consists of just one molecule of sugar, which makes it a type of carbohydrate called a simple sugar. Plants store dextrose as starch, so it's easily extracted from cornstarch to create a sweetener. Okay, so let let me tell you what's going on here. Dextrose is starch. It is, even though it's starch, it is the exact same, it's stored as starch, it's the exact same same thing as blood sugar, right? So that's why starch hits you like a, um, a, a sugar bomb. It's fantastic. It gives you energy. It's super simple. It's, it exactly matches what your blood needs to give you energy. And that's, um, uh, yeah, dextrose. That's what that is. Okay. And that's different than sucrose. Oh, so if you do, uh, if you take a gel and, um, or any kind of fuel and it's got maltodextrin, that's, that's what it is. It's dextrose. So that's your, um, that's your, basically 
it's glucose, right? So when you have your blood glucose level, so dextrose is identical to glucose or blood sugar. It's the exact same thing. It's just created by a plant and stored as a starch. Okay, then uh, it's just one molecule of sugar makes it easy to digest. Okay, it comes from a plant, so it's extracting cornstarch. Right, cornstarch is a common one, like I said. Cornstarch, maltodextrin comes from cornstarch. Okay, sucrose is a simple sugar, but it's made from one molecule of glucose, right? So it's kind of like dextrose. <sighs> Connected to one molecule of fructose, right? Fructose is actually what's super, super sweet. And the FRU in fructose is the same FRU in fruit. Sucrose is better known as table sugar, which is extracted from cane sugar and sugar beets, right? You'd be surprised, but these beets called sugar beets, I think, produce more sugar that people eat than even a cane, sugar cane. Anyway, um, so sucrose is, again, sucrose is really glucose and um, fructose uh, combined together. And um, there's, it's still pretty fast acting, but not quite as fast, but it's still pretty fast. Um, not quite as fast because your body has to break it apart just a little bit. Um, sucrose and dextrose both serve one important role in the body. They provide the body's favorite source of energy. They're simple sugars. They're digested quickly for rapid energy. Dextrose is ready to be absorbed into your system. But digestive enzymes must break sucrose, like I said, because it's a fructose and a dextrose together, or glucose, I mean. Sucrose is fructose and glucose. I wonder if Sue is Latin for two or something like that. Apart into um, single molecules. Then the molecules of glucose pass from the small intestine in your bloodstream where they go to the cells for energy. The fructose goes to your liver for further metabolism. Okay. So the problem with, you were asking about amrita bars and fructose. The problem with fructose is. Uh, and it depends on the person because it uh, isn't immediately, immediately, immediately absorbed like the other stuff. Because, um, like I said, it, it has to go to your liver. Um, then uh, it can give people upset stomach because it's not being digested fast enough. And bacteria and whatever in your gut are like going, hey, it's a party in here. Let's make some gas. <laughs> All right. And uh, so what you do is, well, the other thing that people have figured out is you have multiple channels of fuel absorption that uh, your body can use at the same time and parallel to each other. So what you want to do, if you notice a gel or any kind of fuel has multiple sugars in it, it'll have maltodextrin. And remember, that's the plant starch. It's similar to your blood glucose. It'll have uh, fructose in there, as in like fruit juice added and as a sweetener. Um, it'll have some fat. So amrita bars have a little bit of fat in them. They have 20% fat, I think, um, and uh, which is another fuel channel for you to absorb stuff. Um, and then what that does, because you're absorbing by multiple channels, it allows you to absorb more calories at the same time without, without upsetting your stomach. So what you would do if an amrita bar is mostly fructose and a little bit of fat, well, there's your fructose and fat. Well, then you could um, add to it 
you would add to it with starch, with maltodextrin, for example, which you can buy in bulk. Um, and there's a fuel right there. So um, that complements the uh, Amrita bar. It's something else, another type of fuel, right? Um, I know that one of my liquid fuels I like to make is um, maltodextrin powder with honey. And the reason I do that is maltodextrin is the starch that's uh, mostly glucose. Your body absorbs it pretty good. Honey is 50-50 um, glucose and fructose. So it's basically sucrose. <laughs> hope you're writing all this down. But um, the thing is to remember is you want a variety of, of different oses of different sugars and know which ones are actually really the same thing. And, um, so again, gosh, this is tough. Um, maltodextrin is starch and it's basically glue. It's starch glucose. Okay. Sucrose is table sugar and it is glucose and fructose combined together. Honey is fructose and glucose, just like table sugar. Um, and it's fructose that makes things sweet. Uh, it bonds with the receptors on your tongue. They go, ooh, that's sweet. Eat more of that. And then you have multiple channels in your body to absorb the different stuff. So when something makes your stomach upset um, and something else works, look at the different combinations of those oses. And um, you are right. Like an Amrita bar, it's got so much fructose in it that it could make your stomach upset on a um, if you're eating it too fast and uh, going too hard. And so then what you do is you eat a little bit less of it and complement it with uh, something that doesn't have fructose in it. Okay? All right. Wow, that was a tough one. I'm sweating. Okay. <laughs> Probably for my hard bike ride this morning. Okay, let's go back to these... Uh, John Burns, Allison Frutos, her name probably means fruit something in Spanish, and Jonathan Woodman, and Amy Kay. All right, Amy Kay has this, um, this email. Hi, I love your show. Been listening for a while. You've been along with me to my second 70.3, so thank you so much. Why doesn't the coaching link on your website work? I'll tell you why. Um, you got to make people, I've learned that if I make people have to work harder to find me as a coach, then I end up with coaching clients that love being coached by me. And I've coached people that just kind of found out about me through a friend and they're not really into Zentry. They don't know anything about the podcast. They just heard I'm a triathlon coach. Those people become very difficult to coach, um, because they won't do what you say and they, um, uh, and the thing is, is with coaching, the whole point is you have to make people do what they don't really want to do. Because if they wanted to be doing it, they would already be doing it. And they wouldn't need a coach. So you gotta, you got to get people to do what, what you say. And they, um, if they respect you and, and, and admire what you're doing, then they will do it if they don't know you from Adam and they just signed up for coaching because it was really easy just to find some coach and uh, whatever. Then they don't know anything about your backstory and believe in you and what you're saying. Because a lot of times you're telling people to do stuff that is so counterintuitive 
to what they've been doing, um, they gotta, they don't believe in what you're saying, you know, to go easy, to get fast and things like that. And you don't need to go that hard. And man, (laughs) you need to do a four, you need to become way more powerful on the bike to become a better runner, uh, so that you can run better in a race. And, uh, you know, swimming is, is, uh, a lot of effort and you got to do it. Things like that. Um, I've learned over the years that you, uh, you give people a training plan and they don't really do it. But if they don't, if they don't, uh, find you, if they didn't find you the right way. Okay. I want to hear about your coaching plans, etc. Cool. I already sent Amy an email. Um, if, I had any question, it would be, what three things would you do to improve your run? My swim is fast, bike continues to improve, but run is slow. How to improve my run without injury? Serious about coaching? Send me your info. <laughs> I did. Okay, so the, um, oh, uh, Lucho on, uh, I, th- I was laughing to myself when Lucho on, uh, on Endurance Planet was saying uh, that his coaching, and he's, he's a Kona like top 10 finisher or something like that. And he was saying that his coaching information, how to get in touch with him with coaching is, uh, isn't anywhere on the internet either. <laughs> you have to know, so, you have to know somebody that knows him <laughs> that way he gets great clients. Okay. Um, so how to improve your run. Um, I've improved my run by doing this, um, because I used to suck at running and first off, if you have to focus on it, so this, this applies to running, uh, swimming and biking, you have to really back off the other things. The, let's say, let's, let's talk about your situation with running. Um, you have to back off swimming and biking and use it just as recovery, right? No intense workouts and then do running, um, every other run, Every other day, at most, you run, and then you um, mix in intervals with your running. Um, And now, because you're doing the hard stuff only on the run, your running will get faster and faster. And then um, you're maintaining your swim and your bike, but just as background noise, Uh, again, as recovery. So you're not getting really any slower on your biking and uh, swimming. But your run will get faster and faster and faster. And I'm trying to think, oh, what else about this? So you want to you want to do qualitative metrics on your run so that um, you're measuring things so that you can see that your pace is getting faster and faster. And then over you do this you do this for a few months and you'll see that your run uh, gets way better. And um, Let me think. I've, I've got a whole bunch of this in the back of my mind that I want to get out there. You. Oh, and without injury. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do any like crazy long runs. Oh, I know what I wanted to say. The um, So you're doing the stuff to improve you and using the other stuff as background. And, oh, so you'll notice that people that are really good at a sport have a background of being doing really intense stuff with that sport. So, um, 
people that are great runners probably ran track in high school and in college. Uh, people that are great swimmers probably swam, you know, uh, swim teams growing up, you know. And so they did that intense work, and that's, wh- that's where they did just that. And right now I'm trying to improve my bike, and I'm doing um, almost no interval work on anything else except for my, bike, my biking, and it's working. It's working really, really well. My wattage is getting bigger and bigger, um, and, and I'm the, the only way I'm able to get my wattage to improve on the bike is to only be running as um, just kind of maintenance running. No, I'm doing no interval work on the run whatsoever because especially because that's your legs and I'm doing interval work on the bike. And then what happens is um, like I was saying, these people that are really good at one of the, at one of the sports, um, they have a, they have a background in doing it really hard and really fast. So they've built up the muscle strength and the intuitiveness on how to um, go fast and go strong. And then when they go back to mixing in their uh, other sports, they never really, really lose it. So um, in my case, like with swimming, um, I only swim three times a week for an hour or less. And I can do the Ironman swim uh, in 59 minutes. (laughs) And that... You're like, how is that even possible? Well, that's from being on swim team all those years, and and it made me a good swimmer, and then now I don't have to train all that much to be a good swimmer. So you use the exact same logic on the running and the uh, and the biking. I'm looking out my window out out into the street in the front of the yard, and um, Kai and his friend Paul are just racing up and down the street on bikes. Okay, um, that's cool. I like seeing that. So does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, it really works. And But you, you notice that 99% of triathlon is discipline. you got to sit there and go, I'm not going to run fast because I won't be able to do great bike work because my legs are tired from running. So you got to back off the other stuff. You can still do it. Just don't do it with any intensity. And then the thing that you're working on, that's where you put your intensity in. And everything else is, is uh, support. Okay, Carrie Honing. Keith Burtis. Hey, Keith, I was just listening to Do You Try Podcast with Keith on it. Um, and he records in his car while he's driving along. And it sounds really good. I was like, man, this is, uh, this is affirmation that, um, that when I record in the car driving, it's really not that bad of a thing. Oh, Kai's riding his bike up into the yard. <laughs> There's cyclocross coming to, um, to College Station. And Kai's going to Kai's going to do it. Dude, just throw your bike down on the grass, man. He's trying to use the kickstand, and it's in the grass, so it's going to fall over. Um, then, let's see, donation from Connor Sanders, Matthew Heinz. How's it going, dude? Brian Kemper, Jason Drury, Brad Logan, and Todd Nelson, my buddy Todd. Um, oh, and here's our last question. Brad is asking, oh, he says, hi, Brett, great podcast. I was just wondering what kind of stretching you do before, after running or riding. Do you prefer static or dynamic? You're assuming a lot right there that I prefer anything. (laughs) Keep up the good work, Brad. Okay. Actually, it depends. When I saw this one article, this one research uh, result of, of this one thing about stretching I immediately started nodding my head going, yep, this is the truth right here. Okay. 
you don't need to stretch. If, if you're the type of person that all stretching does is prevents you from getting injured, okay? Well, it probably does more than that. But in general, right? I mean, that's why you're doing it. You're doing it to stretch, stretch out and not get injured, okay? Apparently, statistically, it doesn't make any difference if you stretch or not, and it depends on the person. So if you're not getting injured and you don't stretch, don't bother with stretching. Don't think it's something you got to do. I don't stretch at all, ever, and I don't get injured at all. It's pretty weird, huh? And so in this statistical, this group that they studied, they um, they counted injuries and whether or not the person stretched or not. And in fact, stretching can induce injuries. And then the person, because what you're doing is you're micro tearing the muscles and pulling on things before they're ready for it. And then um, people actually get injuries from it. Then they start stretching more, right, to kind of work on the uh, on the injury. And then um, then that makes it worse. <laughs> So you don't want to be stretching if you don't need to. Um, now, let's say you've got an injury and um, stretching makes it better and makes it go away. One, you got to ask yourself if that's actually really true or if you're imagining that. And, um, uh, and if, if, if you know for sure that it's helping you, then uh, keep then uh, I guess keep stretching, but just remember in the back of your in the back of your mind that um, about this study that showed that stretching actually doesn't really help. Um, now, the kind of stretching if you the one kind of stretching that is the least damaging. So if you do stretch, what you do is you do it after your workout. This sounds so foreign to me. You, you <laughs> the whole stretching thing. Uh, you do it after you work out, and you do it um, not the bouncing way. Is that static? Yeah, I think that's probably static, right? Uh, where you just kind of you just kind of pull a little bit. Um, what I've found, and, and don't bounce, right? Now, what I've found that actually really, really works really well, better than stretching is, for me is um, to the first 10 to 20 minutes of your workout, don't do any hard efforts at all. In fact, go like really, really slow and easy. And you can tell when your body's warmed up and then you can start pushing the pace. But it takes about 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and the uh, that gets your muscles all loosened up and warmed up. It takes discipline, like I was saying before, to not push the pace, um, which is the hard thing. And, um, what was the other thing? Uh, the, the 10 to 20 minutes, um, is also at the same time, it's really, really useful in determining how recovered you are and if you actually should be working out at all. So if you uh, hop on the bike or start running or start swimming and, you're up to, you're feeling great in like five to 10 minutes and up to speed and uh, feeling supercharged and ready to do intervals that fast, you're nicely recovered. Okay. If you're uh, 20 minutes in <laughs> and you're still tired and thinking, man, why am I, why am I, I don't want to be on the bike right now. This sucks. 
and uh, your body still hurts and you try to you're like your heart rate's low and your speed's low your output your your um your I'm trying to think your um is that a dent on Emily's bike oh she's gonna be pissed better not tell her and the um yeah your watts all this stuff is just low it's slow it's not looking very good and you're still 20 minutes into your workout then you ought to cash it in and not even work out you ought to take a nap instead and take a rest day so double purpose right there okay all right i think that's that's it for the donations and emails so if you want to help support the show then you can donate to Zen and the Art of Triathlon podcast by going to zentriathlon.com. On the left side, there is a link where you can donate. It's super easy. It's by PayPal. And I mention your name on the show, and you can do it one of two ways. They're both really easy. They're both right next to each other. You just do like the uh, the recurring donation, which ends up, it's like $3.95 a month, which is about a dollar a show. And then... The uh, the other way is like a one-time donation. Um, the one-time donation happens to have a box in it where you can type in a question, and that's where I'm getting these questions. If uh, you do the, um, the recurring donation, you end up getting my email address, and send me an email with your question in there as well. And what's super cool is... This is the way to help support Zen and the Art of Triathlon. If you find that uh, the information in this show, the, the details I'm giving you are really helpful and um, it's helped you in your training and you want to give back in some kind of way, it's been a good training buddy. You know, when you're going out doing your workouts, you want to give back in some small way, any which way, maybe get in a training question in while you're, while you're at it uh, and just show your support and get your name read off on the show. That's how you do it. The PayPal link on the left side of zentrathlon.com. And also, from the deepest part of my heart, I really, really appreciate it. And it helps pay these triathlon bills because this is one of the most expensive sports uh, that doesn't have an engine in it. <laughs> You're the engine, so at least you don't have to buy that. But the uh, the rest of it is, oh, my gosh. So, um, And I've been doing this for this podcast we're coming up on eight, nine years uh, pretty soon. So I've been putting my heart and soul in this thing. So I really appreciate it. All right. Let's move on to some other stuff. Hold on just a sec. All right. I'm back. <laughs> had to pause there for a second. Had to do some family stuff. All right. Let's see. Let's uh, wrap up this section and get into the training log here next. But uh, while I was offline there for a second, I thought about uh, tailwind nutrition, for example. On the We were talking earlier about glucose, sucrose, dextrose, all that stuff. And um, tailwind nutrition is a, uh, is a powder that you make a drink out of. And it's got really, really good reviews. A lot of people really like it. And um, for ultra running specifically, I think is where it got its start. But, man, if you can digest it ultra running, then... It's definitely digestible on the bike. So I was looking online, and there's a nutrition label online, and you can look at it. And basically, it says dextrose and sucrose and uh, sea salt. Uh, there's some potassium magnesium in it. And then calcium, in parentheses, calcium bicarbonate. So what that actually is, is the dextrose is, like we talked about earlier, that's actually starch, remember? And the starch is uh, 
probably, who knows exactly what they're using, but it's maltodextrin is dextrose. And then, so you could, I'm saying like if you wanted to make your own. And then it was sucrose, and it's like, okay, well, that's honey, <laughs> right? Um, and then you hear from people's comments that it's a really light flavor, so it's probably not that much honey. So, again, it's uh, maltodextrin powder, honey, and then it said um, uh, salt, sea salt, which is nice. And then um, it had uh, potassium and magnesium in it, which I really haven't figured out the best way to add that on your own if you're going to make it. But then calcium, in parentheses, as calcium bicarbonate. And I thought about that for a minute, and I thought, that's Tums. And that's why people love it, and it make it goes easy to on your on your stomach because it's actually got a little bit of Tums in it. And so I looked it up, and uh, Tums is calcium bicarbonate, bicarbonate. And uh, you can look up a Wikipedia entry how a guy invented it to help his wife who was having indigestion. And um, it was for 100 calories, it had 26 milligrams of uh, calcium bicarbonate in it. So. Um, you look up Tums and you come down to a like half of a Tums pill is 25 milligrams of um, half of a Tums tablet is a uh, is uh, that amount of calcium bicarbonate. And so I got home and I was reading this somewhere else. And then I got home and I was like, hey, Emily, do we have Tums? And she said, yeah, actually, we got a ton of it. And um then you got to, what you have to know though is that Tums comes in different strengths. Because I started looking at the label on our Tums and it was twice the calcium bicarbonate in it, milligrams. Uh, instead of being 200 milligrams in a serving, and a serving is two tablets, it was 400 milligrams, right? No. It's, yeah. Anyway, it was it's a crazy amount. I have to open it up again to go look at it. Anyway, and then I looked at the front of it, it's Tums Ultra. <laughs> like, okay. So. Anyway, I went for a bike ride this morning, and I used uh, two scoops EFS per hour, two scoops maltodextrin per hour, and just a little bit of Tums in there, like a quarter of a pill of Tums uh, for uh, it was like a, almost a three-hour bike ride. And what I did is I looked on the EFS, and there was no calcium bicarbonate in it. There was some kind of something else in there. But anyway, I was just playing around with the stuff. I'm not saying that's what you should do. But you could make your own fuel once you start to understand chemistry. And believe me, all I have is high school chemistry. And uh, uh, let's see, what else did I have? I had, no, I had a I had a little bit of college chemistry, but I didn't do very well in it. And uh, but in high school, I had honors chemistry at private school. So <laughs> at least I have faith in myself. There's nothing that you can't figure out nowadays without using a Google search and a little bit of patience in reading and uh, start trying to combine stuff together and figure out what's going on. Anyway, and read carefully and measure milligrams and measure things on a scale and such, you know, so that you can uh, get the right amounts. But anyway, I hope that helps people get some ideas of uh, what you can do. Because if you make your own powder, if you make your own drink mix, you can save a ton of money, but um, sometimes it's worth it to uh, buy it, and then you uh, make sure that you're doing it right. And I would say, like, uh, my favorite pre-made is um, EFS, 
and um, I haven't really tried Tailwind, but just looking at the ingredient label, uh, what it's actually made of, I like that too. And actually, I think Tailwind is rated one of the best and also the cheapest uh, because it's it's really simple stuff. Anyway, and then throwing an Amrita bar in there every once in a while for your fiber and some fat, and you are good to go. And then throw in a Hornet juice for some uh, amino acids and, and protein in there. And holy cow, man, you got it all figured out. Okay, so that's it. Uh, go visit um, AmritaHealthFoods.com. Check out Amrita Bars, the coolest kit in triathlon. And also, I wanted to mention this. If you want something mentioned on the show, if you want to sponsor a show, um, uh, it's, it's $99 a month to get uh, your advertisement on the show um, for every, every episode I make for a month. And uh, we have, oh, I'm trying to think, it's 2,000 downloads a day, all to endurance athletes and people that are interested in your product. And it's the longest running podcast and the podcast stay on the air for a decade. <laughs> so you, it's really worth, it's really, really, really worth your, your, your time and your money. And I love doing it. I love uh, helping out with uh, other companies and trying to get their product out there so that people know about it. And that's actually really cheap. So 99 bucks a month, get your product or your company or your anything mentioned on Zentri in one of the commercials on this show. And um, yeah, it's really worth your time. Okay, so that's it. Let's get started with the training log where I take you with me on Ironman and half Ironman level training and we get stuff done out there. Get you motivated. I'm in your back pocket, in your phone, in your ears as your personal training buddy, helping you, giving you moral support and giving you advice and giving you tips and ideas and motivation on how to get this done. Right? Let's get started with the training log. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite Training Log Zone. Kuneli. Hi, everybody. My name is Brett. I'm a triathlete. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But, Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey, we all make mistakes. Come on, dudes. Let's go exercise. Exercise. I'm going to do sit-ups till I poop myself. Hey, welcome to a new training log. Start date, August 15th, getting the next terror, leaving the pool. All right, listen, people. The, uh, the hardest thing about triathlon is not the exercising, okay? All you're doing is moving, if you're swimming, you're moving your arms in a circle. If you're running, you're moving your legs in a circle. If you're biking, you're moving your legs in a circle on a machine. That's it. The hardest thing about triathlon is overcoming all the obstacles that pop up in the way of getting that stuff done, getting to the pool, getting the, getting the bike, learning how to fix a tire, all that stuff, so you can spin your legs in a circle, right? So the reason most people are trapped in a sucky position right now and they're out of shape and miserable and having to take medicine and everything just to breathe is because they 
are too afraid to get the the work done to exercise because you know once you start exercising it's actually pretty easy so I'm here to encourage you to coach you to help you to motivate you to not care about little obstacles and just mow over them because they really aren't the problem that you make up in your mind that they are so for example the reason I'm talking like this is for example I got to the pool to swim at lunch and I forgot my towel and I'm like well that sucks I'm gonna swim anyway now I was thinking about how your average person would be like well I guess I can't swim you know I have to go home well that's that sucked made it all the way to the pool and now I forgot some of my gear. No, if I forgot my towel, if I forgot my goggles, listen, if I forgot my goggles, I would swim with my head out of the water and make that a workout, you know? It's what you got to do. All right, now. <laughs> Another thing is I'm swimming at lunch and I'm swimming for a shortened swim, even though I had a meeting that ran over and I was having to be on the phone, I was having to do this and that and the other. And your average person would have been like, well, you know what, I'm just going to go to Burger King and order a big pile of ding-dongs and ho-hos and just eat that because woe is me, I can't get this workout done. No, I'm going to freaking work out anyway because that's what you do. Okay, now, (laughs) there's all that and... Well, let me let me say it again. You, I've been quoted on this a million times um, around the interwebs. Is you will not get the things done in life that you need to get done that you want to get done if you worry about what other people think. I don't care that I show up at work after lunch wet, right? Doesn't happen all the time, but if it does happen, then all it does, somebody goes, "Hey man, you're wet. Your hair's wet." I'm like, "Yeah, I forgot my towel when I went swimming." end of story so what you know I'm glad I went swimming what did you do and that's about it all right now um, I want to talk about um, this book no this podcast episode 30 of you are not so smart podcast about how to train and I'm actually gonna have to run in and grab a burrito and we're gonna have to pick it up um, after I do that, and I only got about two minutes, and I need to check my voicemail because Emily's calling me. Kai is supposed to be riding his bike around the Texas World Speedway track this afternoon, and I can't make it because I got meetings. But Emily has the afternoon off, and I'm hoping that this is going to happen. This is going to be so cool. Um, talk about as a little kid, you know, like shaping your world. The fact that you biked around a, a racetrack on a bicycle, man, that's pretty cool. Okay. It just opens up your possibilities of what you can do. When somebody goes, well, we can't do that. You can say, I did that when I was nine years old. Of course we can do that, you know? And that goes back to my my thing I was talking about with swimming and not having a towel is so many people, and I used to be in this boat just for a short while, so many people are trapped in thinking that, you know, you got to stay within the curb and gutters and you can't do anything. Society set up, you know, that you can't do this and do that. Well, just do it anyway. We're talking about doing this epic swim. And Emily was asking me last night, have you cleared it with the lake? And I said, I'm going to do it anyway. And until I'm going to do it until the lake finds out. Who cares, man? Right? You ask for permission. You're asking to be told no. Just do it. And then when you're doing it, then they go, oh, I didn't know. I guess you could do that. Huh. So anyway, back to the, um, the not 
not so smart. You are not so smart podcast. Okay, so this is a podcast where a guy that wrote a book um, called "You Are Not So Smart." He started a podcast to promote his book, which is really smart, and he dispels um, common psychological and physical uh, beliefs that over the millennia that people have built up um, and talks to experts on why we think that way and how we got to thinking that way. And it is a really, really, really good podcast. I've learned a lot about how things don't actually work the way that we think they do. And um, it changes your whole view on everything on how things work. So I wish I could give some examples, but I don't have all the episodes in front of me. But there's a lot of stuff in there that just blows my mind. And to not go by old wives' tales or, or uh, perception and actually go by fact, which is pretty cool. All right. So in this episode, he's talking about how we've uh, taken this 10,000 hours of training to be an expert and taking it completely out of control, and it's actually ruining all of our training. And it was it was an idea, a bat a badly conceived theory um, from one experiment that actually the data wasn't even all that good anyway. And then people have taken it and run with it and think that you need ten thousand hours to be any good at anything. And um, it is not true. In fact, it seems to be the opposite of true. And I'll get back to you with more of that in a bit. All right. I got to grab a burrito out. All right. I'm back. (laughs) Got a nice burrito loaded with veggies. Really good stuff. No cheese. Got the guacamole. No cheese this time. And, uh, okay. So we're back with the, uh, training differently. So in the book, uh, the sports gene, which is the author of the book that the guy that runs the podcast is interviewing. So try to keep up with me here because I know I'm kind of jumping around. But anyway, the research that went behind this book called The Sports Gene took this 10,000 hours idea and really broke it apart. So 10,000 hours was an idea uh, that training 10,000 hours uh, to become an expert um, was an idea by a PhD Malcolm Gladwell. And it was from a violinist study at an elite violin um, or elite music school in Berlin, I think. And the best of the best of these violinists were, um, they had something in common where they averaged 10,000 hours a week. And the problem, though, so everybody takes this and then goes, oh, well, then it takes 10,000 hours of, of, of 10,000 hours a week, 10,000 hours total of years to, um, over the years to become an expert in something. And now there's all these coaches and in, just in every, everyday lingo all around the world, there's this, uh, common phrase belief of 10,000 hours, you know, and it's kind of like dogs can't see um, black and white, or a red cape gets a bull bull mad. Well, bulls are colorblind; they can't see red. You know, so it's wrong. <laughs> By the way, so um, turns out 
that the 10,000 hours was actually the average of what these experts did. And some of them didn't do anywhere near that. And then some of them did way, way more. And it ended up being an average of 10,000 hours. So 10,000 hours is not a rule. And it's a problem because there's coaches out there that have designed programs to teach their athletes to down to the minute of 10,000 hours worth of work, thinking that that they're going to you know, be able to punch their ticket to the Super Bowl because they've done their 10,000 hours worth of work. And um, then there's the whole thing with starting really young. And actually, if you start too young in a sport, you get burned out. And then you try to do 10,000 hours of something, you get burned out and injured, which statistically is more likely to happen to you than getting any good. And I can tell you the swimming world is packed with people that don't ever, ever, ever want to get into a swimming pool ever again after high school or after college. You know, I like to swim, but I don't like to swim a lot, man. And there's a local adult swim team around here, and I... All right, I think I'm back. Okay, now I know I'm back. Okay, so... um. I, like I was saying, I love swimming, man, but I don't want to be on a swim team for freaking again because that stuff is miserable, man. You get good enough to get good and then get out, dude, because that stuff is just, oh, my God, all the chlorine and just the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And um, and then the thing is uh, actually starting a, a sport around age 12 is they end up being better than starting at age 4 or 5 or 6, you know? Um, and I've kind of, I know about the swimming phenomenon. So we took Kai to sign him up for a swim team and he didn't like it. So we pulled him out. We said, you know what? You can swim enough when, um, you can swim enough, uh, on your triathlon team where they swim like three times a week for almost an hour and just in the summer spring and summer. And that's enough, you know? And, um, because I know for a fact my brother didn't get serious about swimming until he was 11 or 12. That's your that's your uh, number right there. And he went on to become uh, captain of a varsity college swim team. Right? That's like the besides going to the Olympics or something like that. That's like that's your uh, that's your phenomenon right there. And he didn't start till he was age 12. So anyway, so there's the they just statistically. They, they've compiled all the stuff and gone through the numbers and said um, the age thing doesn't matter. Um, and there's a lot of sports where people just show up later and they routinely, with just uh, six months of practice, smash somebody that's been doing it for, um, for uh, their 10,000 hours, you know, like uh, 10 years of practice. And um, just out of just pure talent and skill and being fresh. Okay, so the next, what we're going to talk about, i got to go into W to the ERK, but next what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the um, impression of the sport upon you versus um, trying too hard to do the pieces. Like the overall picture, how that works so much better instead of just trying to drill, drill, drill for something which just burns you up and wears you out and makes you not like it anymore. All right, I'll be right back. Out. Hey, I'm back. I'm in the house getting ready to go for a run, an evening run. And um, But something happened that I want to mention real quick before I forget. Michael Dirksen out of uh, the San Francisco area, or actually he lives east, east the valley, so anyway, uh, of San Fran. But anyway, NorCal, Nor- 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 MP Dirksen. 
um, said, hey, man, I wanted to get a Suunto Ambit 3 because it sounds awesome, but it's Bluetooth only. It doesn't run Ant stuff, so I guess I'm out of luck, huh? And I said, no, you're not. Um, I have an older power tap, wireless power tap, and when I sent it in to get rebuilt uh, a couple years ago, because it's after five years, six years of riding on it, it sounded to me like the bearings were starting to get kind of wobbly and loose in there. Um, I sent it in for a hub rebuild, and it cost uh, two, three hundred dollars or something like that. So when I sent it, they go, "Oh, by the way, we're the reason it costs two hundred, three hundred dollars is because we're replacing all the internals. Um, there's a new wider, which is always better. <laughs> the uh, um, uh, torque tube and like all this stuff in there. So we're kind of replacing the guts, and then um, they sent it back to me." And it's been great since. And then all this Bluetooth stuff started coming out. And I noticed that there is a Bluetooth adapter for power taps. So if you've got a power tap power meter on your bike and it's Ant, um, there is, uh, and definitely if, there's, if it's a G3, um, you can get this thing where it replaces the end cap on it with a different end cap and it's Bluetooth. And maybe... I feel like with my body, like it was less than 150 bucks for this piece. Anyway, it turns your power meter into a um, into a Bluetooth. I guess you could keep the old one and they would turn it back into Ant anytime you wanted to, maybe. But anyway, um, uh, yeah, I wonder what they do with the piece. I would say if I mailed it off, like, uh, yeah, no, I guess you just order the piece and they send it to you. So I guess you do keep, get to keep your old one. So I guess you could have an Ant or a Bluetooth one anytime you wanted. But anyway, so that's your solution. Roxy, that is nasty. Roxy, okay? Is she okay? Yeah, she's just being gross. Dog's clearing her throat. She's getting old. And uh, Roxy, that is nasty, girl. <laughs> anyway... So, um, if you've got an older power tap that is uh, Ant Wireless, Ant Plus, whatever, and um, uh, it might need to be rebuilt anyway, and when it gets rebuilt, they'll turn it into a G3. If you've got a G3 power tap now, then you can turn it Bluetooth with this one adapter that PowerTap has made. And man, you know, a, a year down the road, half year down the road, they might do an adapter that is both... Bluetooth and Ant at the same time because a lot of companies are doing that. It transmits both, and um, then maybe you could have both. So anyway, that's the solution with the Ant, with the uh, Bluetooth and the Ambit. That's what I'm going to do, by the way. So um, I'm going to buy this adapter and turn my power meter to Bluetooth and because I figure more and more stuff is going to go to Bluetooth. And that's the way I'm going. All right, that's it. Out. Man, we just missed all the train horns. Oh my god. I'm halfway through a three hour ride and I'm in Millican, Texas. She used to be in the middle of nowhere. Now I'm old enough that things aren't in the middle of nowhere anymore. <laughs> Woo! And what I'm doing is I'm standing in the shade. It, the high today is supposed to be like a hundred, somewhere between a hundred and a hundred and six. I forgot. It's just brutal. So I'm standing in the shade in a breeze, cool breeze. Um, 
catching up on, uh, well, cooling down so that when I apply sunscreen, now the sun's getting overhead, I'm going to put on some sunscreen. Um, it'll actually stick instead of just spraying it on sweat and the sweat washing on. So it's smart to just wait a second. I kind of need to go pee in some bushes. <laughs> but I'll wait. So today's ride is sponsored by Amrita Bars. <laughs> I'm just riding along um, comfortably and eating an Amrita Bar an hour and sipping on my homemade uh, gin and juice, which would be maltodextrin powder, which you can order in bulk. And, and I hope y'all can hear that train rumbling along. A bike ride a few weeks ago, I picked up my bike and walked down the tracks, around the, and then over the tracks, and then around the engine that was ticking along, because it was just parked on the tracks at some uh, old plantation that I couldn't get around. Well, I gotta blow some snot. <laughs> anyway, I've been sick the past uh, week or so, eh, half week, maybe five days let's say and uh feels a little bit like a fever but then when you take your temperature you don't have a fever but then sore throat no cough thank god and um drainage mucus drainage so uh, oh that feels good that's a cool breeze (laughs) so i figured i'd talk to y'all while i uh down here. So when you go long on a ride, um, what and long is relative to what's long for you. It's about three hours, kind of long. And most of the time, it's more important just to ride along. That ride's already so long that it's a it's a workout in itself. You don't need to go hard at time. You know, do intervals and all that stuff. That's a dump truck. You don't need to go that hard at all. In fact, it's probably a bad idea because what you should be doing is learning how to go long and ride easy. And the long is hard enough as it is. <sighs> all right, let's go back to the book that I was telling about in the interview. And how to be You're Not So Smart, episode 30. And um, what it comes down to is the most successful kids, the most successful athletes. As kids, they play a variety of sports. So triathlon's pretty good for that. Just lots of different stuff. So Kai Kai does triathlon a little bit of... uh, He does a lot of soccer. Not tons, just some. And flag football. Because he loves it. And I'm going to try to get him a little bit of basketball. And also a little bit, we just started playing guitar a little bit. And uh, what that does is it teaches the kids intuition, right? And then by age 12, God, I thought that was an Australian dingo over there. It's just a goat. It was the same coloring. Um, By age 12, they start zeroing in on a sport that they excel at and I remember when high school you know I had to make a choice to play one sport you know my parents said why don't you do swimming because you do really well in swimming you do better in swimming than anything else I said okay so then what they've learned is a whole lot of intuition 
on what gets the plays done, what gets the ball in the basket, what gets the ball in the goal, what gets you to the finish line faster. And they've learned themselves, and then they find their own way. And so what's going on is, um, and then they become a much, much better athlete um, because they're athletic in general from being exposed to a whole bunch of sports and things. So, um, and the reason, the biggest reason they think because of this is everybody is a, is a scientific sample of one, N equals one, right? Everybody's so different. Um, we're different heights, different weights, different inclinations, different uh, build of, of strength and muscle fibers, uh, different responses to stimulus. You tell me to do five intervals of five minutes, um, somebody else do five minerals, five, you get like a group of people doing five intervals of five minutes, they're all, if you look on a graph, they're all going to respond just a little bit differently, right? So somebody really should be doing four minutes, somebody should be doing three minutes of five, somebody should be doing six, uh, six times five minutes, I mean, it, like the variability of what actually works is so huge between people, sunlight, you know, like sunlight, food, every everything, Response to carbs, response to fat, everything is so individual per person. Wait, I got somebody coming. Everything's so individual per person that it's um to try to come up with a ten thousand. First off, your ten thousand hours thing won't work, and then with your ten thousand hours, it's too prescriptive with with the exactly somebody what should be doing. And um, athletes don't reach their full potential. And instead, if you just said, um, uh, let's go practice, the goal, the point, is to try to get the ball over the goal line, the soccer ball into the net, then, and here are some things that work in general. Let's try them, try them, try them. And... um, see how who does what and who plays what best and watch each other and uh, then you get better and then you're learning more intuition and more of what's the point and then you get better and another thing is to practice in groups a lot of times um, because you can watch what other people are doing and then that makes you better because you're like that person's faster than me what are they doing and then you copy them and then that, you're like, okay, now I'm as fast as them. That person is uh, faster than me. What are they doing? And then you copy them. And this works on swimming with, with me. worked really well um, because you're swimming all the exact same uh, drills, like uh, sets. And they put you in different lanes side by side, you know, like six to a lane. And as you're swimming, you constantly can compare what you're doing versus everybody else and what you're doing to make you faster than everybody else. And you, um, you're like, oh, this person's digging deeper, and they're faster than me. So I'm going to dig deeper. Does that make me faster than them? Yeah. Oh, that person has higher turnover than me, and they're faster than me. Should I try higher turnover? And then it's motivational, too. It's inspirational because you're seeing it happen live. So that's a big thing. They say that's like some of the best. People get injured trying to keep up with each other. Um, if the club has a mentality of, Hey, we're not going to train if if you're not feeling good. Then uh, that's better. So there's all that, and then there was something else I forgot. Um, 
Let me go over my rig while I try to remember things. Uh, <clears throat> I have the Torpedo Lab, X-Lab Torpedo. Um, between the bars, I'm only mildly happy with it. I don't like the mounting system for it. And then um, I have the Menorah bottle cage holders on the back, twin bottle cage holders, M-I-N-O-U-R-A. And then uh, in one bottle cage, I always have this X-Lab Mezzo cage pod, M-E-Z-Z-O, Mezzo cage pod. And I got the tall one, so it's as big as a tall water bottle. And in it, I've got all my changing tools and a flat tire kit, CO2, tire levers, like all that stuff. Um, all in there. And I take it with me on every bike ride, every bike, because I have two bikes that I uh, ride on, road ride. And um, and then in the other bottle cage behind me, I have a fuel bottle that I made up for three hours worth of fuel. And then um, down on the seat tube down by the bottom bracket, I have an Arundel, A-R-U-N-D-E-L, aero bottle cage, or aero bottle and bottle cage, so it's flat, it's really aero, I like it, it's a little bit old school, and it's apparently like really cool, you have one of those and you're super cool, <laughs> I don't know, and then for a, um, for a bento box behind the stem, um, I've got one that fits perfectly and it's really flush with the uh, how high my um, stem is, and it's made by Fuel Belt, and it's white, so it matches my bike, and um, it's Velcro attached, but it's got a zipper on top, and it works really, really well. I'm really, really happy with it, and it's kind of tapered at the back end, not dramatically, but just a little bit, and it can hold a lot. It's actually pretty big, <sighs> and I think that's it. All right, I can't remember the other thing I was going to say. Let's see, uh, you want to practice together, and, uh, man, I lost it. Hold on, I'll be right back. All right, are we back? All right, I'm all sunscreened up. <laughs> and I have a handkerchief. I put a handkerchief over my head, hanging off the back, and I, uh, and then it covers my ears and the back of my neck. And it does make me look like I'm a thousand-year-old cyclist, you know? Like I should be out there with a giant beard on a recumbent. Especially because I've added a little side view mirror to my to my uh, helmet now. I love it, dude. But I'm, I'll, I'll tell you more about it later because um, I forgot the, bro, the, uh, the brand name. And uh, this is my first ride with it. Seems to be pretty good. And, hold on, I gotta get some water. Alright, I'm back. So, Brett Sutton, the super duper coach, has produced some of the best results in the sport. Supposedly, his one teaching tool is a uh, is a uh, stopwatch, and that's basically it. Any times you see how fast you do stuff, and you use your intuition to see if you're fast uh, to get faster. He's like, okay, that was slower. Okay, this was faster. 
Okay, what'd you do differently? And then, and then that's that, uh, what was it? The Netherlands soccer team example where they do and then they think what was different and then they do and they think what's different. So, uh, and then he tra- trains people in a group environment. So you got the best of both worlds right there. So what I'm trying to say now that I've laid all this out for you, is a training plan that's really, really, really specific, and you following it super specifically is a bad thing. Right? You should follow it loosely. Because in somebody's uh, million-dollar training idea that they're trying to sell you is something that worked for somebody one time. What's my phone doing? Oh, phone disconnected. Um, It's something that worked for somebody one time. And it's not um, guaranteed to work for you. In fact, it probably won't. And so, exactly how long to do intervals um, is so different per person. How many intervals to do? Should you do intervals? What to do on a long ride? Really, you should be asking yourself, um, what made me faster? You know, like, what to eat? Well, that's so individual, who knows? You know? So you got to get over that kind of stuff and see the big picture. Step back. And imagine that triathlon is a football field, and you and your friends are out playing on it, and you do what makes you good at it. But you got to pay attention, and you got to be listening, and and you do want to know what some of the best techniques are, so you can try them, and then you keep with the ones that stick, and the ones that work, and those things change over time. As you get faster, different things work. It's like a chain; um, it'll break at its weakest link. So you need to strengthen your limiter. You know, you could do a whole kind of coaching just called limiter coaching, and it's just what's what's. Uh, What's the thing that's holding you back? Work on that. What's the thing that's holding you back now? I'll work on that. You know, and everything else is just background. That'd probably be the most effective way to get fast. But anyway, I better get back on my ride. Talk to y'all later. Out, bang. Wow, that ride was brutal. I'm back at my house, walking around. Hey, Kona. I wanted to mention a few things. Lantiseptic. Uh, is the um, lube I use. <laughs> As I was talking with my friends, with lube, anything is possible. With enough lube, anything is possible. And uh, lantiseptic, um, it's a lube that is so sticky to your skin that when you put it on, it stays there a long time. So what I've learned to do, and Emily pointed this out to me because she's a nurse. She's like, this is the stuff right here. Put it down under in your bottom bracket, your dirty place. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess maybe like in your armpits, some, you know, like wherever you rub, like against a jersey. I, have a, I get a little bit of chafing on the inside of my arms against a jersey sometimes. On my neck when I uh, do wetsuit swims. And that stuff sticks in place and lasts for probably three hours or more. Um, it's not going anywhere. 
And so what happened was uh, a couple of days ago, I went for a run at, at lunch at work and I forgot to bring socks. So I ran without socks, you know, just get it done anyway. And I developed a big blister on the underside of my foot. And so the next time I went running, I put that stuff on, um, on my foot and no problem. So lantiseptic. One of my dogs one time ate like a bucket of that crap. It's crazy. Didn't even phase him. <laughs> We were on the phone with poison control and everything, and they were like, whoa, that's impressive. We're like, yeah, he's a little special. And I had something else happen on the run. Oh, uh, on the ride. So I decided to get a mirror after this whole Scully helmet thing. I decided to get a mirror for the uh, for my helmet. These little mirrors that stick off to the side, so you're like, you look like, like I said earlier, you got a beard and and you're riding a recumbent around, and you got mirrors all over the place and blinky lights all over you. Look like you're more afraid than having fun. Anyway, I got to say, man, it's pretty freaking awesome. The downside is, is in the arrow position on a tri bike, um, your shoulders block what the mirror would do. So that's a little bit of a problem. But if you lift your head up and kind of tilt your head, kind of like you're a dog listening to a weird sound, you know how they do that? You can see behind you pretty well. And I liked it, man. I liked it a lot. I liked having that mirror. And then sometimes you are sitting up on the uh, on the brake levers parts, the, on the horns and uh, or the hoods. And then you can see over your shoulder just fine. So it, I'm still getting used to it. So what I did before I bought one, actually pretty cheap. It was like 10 bucks or something because there's really not much to it. But I read reviews on Amazon Man, my nose is stuffed up. I read reviews on Amazon. Oh, they got it attached to the outside of the helmet. Hmm. Mine had, um... Mine made it look like... I didn't see that. Dang it. I attached it to the inside. I should attach it to the outside. Anyway. They need to update their helmet graphics. Uh, anyway. The, uh... A lot of them got bad reviews that they were, um, they move in the wind and they're flimsy and stuff like that. And this one got great reviews. It got the best reviews that I could find. A pro, third eye is what you're looking for. Pro third eye mirror. And I kind of liked it. I don't know if I'm going to do it forever. But I kind of liked it, man, to be able to, I noticed that I felt safer. I was able to kind of um, look behind me. I was I was using it way too much at first, so it's kind of wearing me out because it's so cool. But this is what happens. You're able to um, keep your eyes on the road in front of you. And while you're keeping your eyes on the road in front of you, you kind of tilt your head to where you remember that you kind of need to be to look in this mirror thing, and then you look up behind you, no cars, right? And then you ride, 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 and then, man, dude, when I realized there was a car right behind me by looking in that mirror, that was awesome. Because what happens is, if, if you ride familiar roads, you know that there's like this big pothole coming up, for example, and you're going to have to swerve out on the road, right? Well, you can... Um, look in that mirror and see if there's any cars coming behind you at all. And if there's nothing, you can start getting out in the middle of the road, you know. And um, another one is uh, you're at intersections and things like that. 
and you can just check it a lot while you're kind of navigating to make sure that you're clear. Where, where I live, most of my riding is there's not many, I've, I've got roads that I train on where there's not many uh, cars at all. And so you can ride out in the lane a little bit, but then when one's coming, you need to move over because it's rude. And that's uh, the situation here. So what I do is I ride out in the lane in the tire track, the right tire track, because it's smoother, and ride and ride and ride and ride and ride. Uh, by the way, you go at least one mile per hour faster on smooth pavement than chip seal, for example, maybe a mile and a half, two miles per hour. <laughs> Saw it. Saw it on a study, some research. And uh, so every uh, 30 seconds, every minute or so like that, kind of peek into that mirror and see, what's up? Is there any cars coming behind me? Nope. Just keep on staying where I'm staying. Anyway, it's good stuff. Um, I got to replace my heart rate monitor battery because it didn't pick up much on this ride. In the past few rides, it's been kind of crappy. And I've noticed that the connector has a tiny bit of rust in it. So I'm probably going to spray that with WD-40. And then um, also, when you replace batteries and things, if they have a little silicone rubber grommet basket, gasket basket, gasket, then you um, use mineral oil. So just buy a thing of mineral oil, keep it around, and then you can rub mineral oil, you clean out all the gunk, and as clean as you can get it, and then uh, rub the uh, gasket thing, the rubber thing, with uh, mineral oil, and then wipe it down just a little bit so it's got fresh mineral oil on it, and then reassemble, and that keeps the gasket healthy and water from leaking in. How about that? Whew. Okay, the ride, three-hour ride, I needed that, man. My lower back started hurting. Uh, I haven't done a three, well, yeah, I haven't done a long ride in a while. So, lower back started hurting. Um, and like I said, uh, yeah, my neck was hurting a little bit. And see, th those things don't hurt as much the more you do it. And man, you don't do it. And then you go out for a long ride, a long race, and those things start bothering you, you know. And I ate an Amrita bar every hour, so uh, every 20 minutes I would have a chunk of it. I think, and then towards the end I was like, man, that's a big chunk of Amrita bar. I need to be doing every 15 minutes, so it's a little bit smaller of a chunk. And then, um, and then my liquid fuel. So I was eating about 400 calories per hour and was just happy, just cruising along. Finished my ride with plenty of energy. Emily wanted me, as soon as I walk in, Emily goes, hey, since you're sweaty and nasty... And by then, I'm in my underwear trying to get out of clothes. Um, go out in the driveway and load this vacuum cleaner, carpet cleaner thing into the trunk of my car. And instead of, like, collapsing on the ground and being like, you know, then uh, I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I uh, played some guitar solo stuff for Kai and Jaron and um, his, his uh, cousin. And, yeah, there's plenty of energy. And then I eventually laid down to rest my eyes just a little bit, but... Um, so good fueling, Keith Burtis just made a blog post about this stuff. Um, you did, if you finished a bike ride and you're a complete mess and you need to crash, then you didn't eat enough. Um, and I weigh about 180 pounds and I need at least, at least 400 calories per hour to feel good. And that's just riding easy. Um, probably around 120 beats per minute heart rate effort, you know. 
And um, oh, the heat index, man, it was so hot. It was 108 heat index. So it was like 96 plus super high humidity and wind um, made it. When I got off the bike, I was like, man, I got to go see what this is. And I went over and looked. And it was 108. Holy crap. And um, what, what you heard me when I was stopping earlier to uh, put on sunscreen. Um, once it starts getting to be around 10:30, I start putting on sunscreen. There's a good video on YouTube right now. I've retweeted it um, about uh, how sunscreen works and what it does to your skin and all kinds of stuff. Block out some of that sun. So I stop, put on sunscreen, and then go. And then um, I'm able to stay out a little bit longer without getting burned. And um, oh, and like I was saying earlier. Whatever's long for you, because everything's relative. So a three-hour ride is pretty long for me uh, right now. Um, I want to eventually, you know, like do three and a half, and then four, and then up to five, and then that's Iron Man, you know. So once you get up to five, you're good. With a little run afterwards, then you're like, okay, got ready for Iron Man. But um, uh, yeah, no need to do any kind of interval, whatever, because at the end of that three-hour ride with all that heat, I'd say two hours in, I was like, God dang, this sucks. <laughs> this is so hard. But what I'd done is I made a real pretty route. So it was unlike, because Emily was saying something like, why don't you go to breakfast with us and then ride on the trainer? And I'm like, I can't do three hours on a freaking trainer. Um, when I know, I mean, I could, I've done, I've done five hours on rollers one time um, on a bet. And so I know I can do it. It's just, it's just not fun. You know, you don't get to see anything. So instead, three hours outdoors, I went and saw the countryside. I rode down some roads I hadn't ridden down in a long time, you know. And I just worked on fueling and riding easy. And I averaged, I think, like 212 watts, which is uh, would be nice for an Ironman, you know. And, um, and that was only three hours. you got to do that for five hours. And with uh, races coming up in the next couple months, um, you know, it's time to start amping it up. Oh, and then the, um, with three hours, like I said, that's plenty because I've upped my volume lately. And when you up, you, when you up your volume, um, it doesn't take much to wear you out. So just average intensity, average or even below average, and just ride, um, because I ran last night for like, I did two and a half hours of training yesterday. So when you go out and do a three-hour ride, just ride easy because now, I mean, your legs are already kind of blown out from all the training they do for really what you're training is, uh, is how to ride in the arrow position um, when you're a little bit tired, you know? how to train yourself to stay in there. And like I said, it, it started hurting my back a little bit and hurting my neck. Um, and that's good. It was hurting just a little bit. And I was having to like kind of coast the downhills a little bit stuff, um, trying to kind of conserve my energy some. And that's good. That's good training. That's what you want. You know, you want it to be a little bit stressful. All right, that's it. I got things to do today. I got to get old podcast republished. And things like that. And um, I might swing by Subway and get a sand... No, probably Freebirds. And just get just like a ton of veggies piled up on stuff. All right, that's it. Out. Bang. Uh, oh, my God. Another three-hour ride. 
just a little bit longer, like three hours and two minutes, added in an extra section of road, a huge hill, actually is what I added in, huge, and I went uh, 0.2 miles per hour faster than yesterday, so I did four hours of training yesterday on Saturday, three hour bike ride in the morning, and then a one hour run, actually a little bit over that, and if I run again tonight, I'll hit 50 miles for the week, which is the magic number for Ironman. And then it's just finding more bike time. And um, so if I do everything today like I'm supposed to, I think it'll be around, I'll look here in a second. I'm uploading my workout for my Sunto Ambit 2 to uh, Moose Count. That must have a training piece. I like Moose Count better. It's prettier. Anyway. And I'm drinking a Deschutes. I just finished this thing. I'm drinking a Deschutes uh, Brewery um, Inversion Ale, which is an IPA. Man. Holy crap. I've been on a tour of the Deschutes Brewery and then went paddleboarding down the Deschutes River with Drew in Bend, Oregon and uh, fell in. And it is literally snowmelt. It's cold, 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 cold. Uh, even though it was the middle of summer. It's gorgeous. Love it up there. Man, I wish I could live there. Anyway, um, I think if I lived in Bend, Oregon, I would just die. <laughs> I wouldn't do anything. I would just lay around and just soak in sunshine every day. <sighs> Go lay up on a mountainside. Anyway, um, so I went faster today. Then yesterday, even though I did a ton yesterday, I did four hours yesterday and went faster today. So how do you do that? Well, it's kind of like the um, Tour de France where they say the more you do, actually your body kind of figures out how and you figure out how to fuel yourself better, to time everything better to pace yourself better and you get smarter and oh, I was going to look at the heat yeah I averaged 2 watts higher 214 instead of 212 but we are going to go stop it oh my god I don't even know what's going on with this computer stop stop uh, I'm trying to go to the weather I just walked in 10 minutes ago. Feels like 104 outside. And what time is it? Yeah, about the same time as yesterday. 92 degrees with 58% uh, humidity. And actually, I thought it was starting to get kind of hot. <laughs> it just shows you how your body adapts. And uh, anybody, it's, you know, people that live in the heat aren't special. They just live in the heat. And people that live in the cold aren't more cold tolerant. They just live in the cold. And your humans' bodies adapt. Our blood thickens and thins over time, a pretty quick amount of time, like a few weeks, to um, be more like uh, coolant or like, or like uh, heating oil. Mm. Or antifreeze, I mean. So, uh, and then I was listening to Indian, classical Indian music, which I love, man. 
I have no idea what's going on when it plays. It's the sitar, you know, ding, 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 and like no Americanized rhythm whatsoever because our stuff's really repetitive, like, and theirs is more like jazz where it just seems freaking random, man. I got no idea what's going on. And I put it on just barely loud enough to hear it, but it's fast. And it's impressive, man. They can play so fast. And there's a... I'm going to be politically incorrect calling bongo drums. I'm sure they're not. Um, But there's the drums going in the background. And apparently a song can go on for like half an hour. (laughs) And then all of a sudden there's clapping because a lot of this stuff's live played, recorded. And uh, there'll be like a crowd clapping, and then it's over. And But like I couldn't even tell that it was about to end, where the music um, that I'm used to is, uh, you can tell there's like a beginning, a middle, and then an end. And as they wrap it up, you know, wrap it up, B. <laughs> so um, it's just, I, I don't know if I've heard the same song before. It, it all just runs together. and um, But I can think because I'm not really paying attention to the music. The music's motivating. It's not too hard. It's just kind of relaxing, but kind of fast. So check it out. Um, you might really like it. turns out I've really liked it. Um, I also like uh, Asian, like Chinese or Japanese music of that same kind, classical, but I can't find a station that plays that on Pandora or something. Um, there's like meditation channels that play kind of like that, but it's, it's too slow for a workout. Um, I think that's it. I'm going to finish this Deschutes Brewery. Oh, I was going to see uh, how many hours and stuff for the week. This is kind of cool. It gives people an idea of Ironman training. I could tell you with the amount of hours that I'm doing, I could almost finish an Ironman happy without a struggle at the end. And I think it would take doing what I'm doing uh, with a few more hours for a few more weeks for me to settle in, for me to feel okay. Oh, man, do I have a tip while I'm looking? Where'd it go? Relax. Remember, relax. I'll get back to that Back to that in a second. Oh. I'm posting on Instagram a lot of times lately when I stop on the ride and put on sunscreen because sunscreen's good. Oh, man, that ride is so brutal. Oh, that's why it's so windy. That's due south. I'm looking at a map. Huh. I thought that was west. It ain't. (laughs) That's south, man. Holy crap. And we got real strong southerly winds in the summer. The uh, United States, North American continent, heats up as the day goes on. And it becomes hot from the radiation from the sun, more than the oceans around it. And then the hot air there over it gets heated, and then it rises. And as it rises, other air, it goes up, well, it leaves a void underneath, and other air has to rush in to fill the space. And that air rushes in from the Gulf of Mexico, where it's cooler, right? And... But it's still not that cool. But what it does bring with it is humidity off the Gulf because the Gulf is kind of, uh, well, the Gulf water's hot. So um, 
it's uh, it's full of water. The air is, and yeah, I'm looking at my graphs. Okay, hold on. Sixty-one point nine eight miles at twenty point four miles per hour. A lot of that is seal chip seal seal coat. Oh, it's nasty, nasty shiz. And let's see where we're at for the week. I should have swam more, but I didn't. But I need to work on my weakness, which is my bike and my run. So 223 miles total for the week, 178.7 on the bike, 41.1, which means on the run, which means to hit 50, I got to run, oh, no, 8.8? Is that for real? That sucks. <laughs> I don't want to run 8.8. .8. Maybe I might. I don't know. How much did I run last night? That was barely tolerable. I'll figure it out in a second. And 3.87 miles on the swim. So um, I only swam an hour and 50 minutes. I've biked 8 hours and 49 minutes. I've run 6 hours and 21 minutes. For a total of 17 hours. So I run the night. I'm going to hit 18 hours for the week. We're just starting to get up there. And then we start adding in a little bit longer bike rides, like four-hour bike rides on the weekend each day. And then we're getting into 20 hours a week. 25 hours a week is kind of what start getting in the pro level. Um, let's see. I was going to look up something. Hold on. I can't remember what it is. Okay, so relax. All right. <sighs> I noticed I do this, which means probably a lot of people do this, is um, the more volume you put in on the bike and the more relaxed you... The, well, the more volume you put on the bike, the better you get at it and the less you grip and tighten and grip the handlebars, tighten with your shoulders, you know... Um, crunch your body and you just get better and better and better just laying down you want to lay it down <laughs> for the ladies you want to lay it down and relax and let the legs do the work and you let the core your core counterbalance your legs a little bit and then just relax lay you want your upper body to be as relaxed as if you're laying down watching tv on your elbows just kind of just laying there and um, and I know this is specifically true, especially true because when you um, when the pavement gets rough and it's real bouncy, you tend to tighten up, tighten up, tighten up, and then you don't put out as much power. You can look at the power meter and see your power goes down because you're wasting a lot of energy and diverting it to controlling the bike. And then when the pavement gets smooth. Um, your power goes up because now um, you're actually putting more power into the pedals because you're not trying to control the bike as much. All right? So just imagine that you could have higher power. You could <laughs> have your higher power as I'm drinking a beer. You could have your higher power like all the time if you learn to relax into the bike and lay on top of it and let focus on letting your legs do the work 
and not trying so hard. So imagine every time that you've learned a sport, like say snow skiing, water skiing, um, all this stuff. God, I'm trying to think of a million examples. But your upper body gets tired because you're over-controlling because you haven't really relaxed yet, you know? And so when you're, I know when uh, I learned to ride motorcycles, my upper body was sore because you're so worried you're going to crash. So you're over controlling and you got a tight grip on the handlebars and it ends up making your arms and shoulders and hands like really tired and your neck tired. And um, that's burning calories. And then that wears you out for the, um, for the, for the, for the end, back end of the bike ride and into the run. You know, you're going through fuel faster than you need to, and you're not able to put out power like you want. So you got to relax. Just focus on relaxing. And then if you have a power meter, just keep power, try to keep the power numbers the same or better while just relaxing the upper body and feeling it just flow through your legs. And uh, imagine I'm a yoga instructor. It's like, relax the body. Downward dog on your bike or something. Or something, something. <laughs> All right, I got things to do, man. I got to do some coaching, and I got to catch up with Tawny, and I'm only going to have the house to myself for like another hour, so I just need, I need to lay on the, on the ground and take up as much space as I can and relax before I have kids jumping up and down on top of me and Emily telling me what to do. Woo! All right, out, bang. All right, it's Monday morning, and driving in to W to the ERK and my gas tank is on empty figuratively, figuratively and literally so the upside of getting in the huge volume is you get in huge volume and the downside is, is everything else gets neglected which sucks so for example my gas tank is on empty in my car and I still got to make it to work and I'm going to be late and um, also Starting last night about halfway through my run, or maybe before my run, well, definitely I noticed that my pace had slowed down on the run. Like, I'm not able to run as fast as I was before. That means that you're, you're peaking out and that it's, it's, it's time to start cashing stuff in, you know. And, oh, I ran in the rain. Kai went with me on his bicycle for an hour. And um, Kona rode his... Uh, Kona rode. Kona ran with me and it rained on us and that was the best. I took a picture and posted it on Twitter. That was nice. Threw my Ziploc bag that my phone's in. And um, but I started noticing I was having to breathe a little bit extra hard to um, to run. And then, lo and behold, maybe last night, but definitely this morning, woke up and I was having to catch my breath a little bit, just a little bit. There's your sign right there that you're done, 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 done. You need to take a break. You don't really, I mean, heart rate variability, HRV is good stuff um, to learn. And you start connecting the dots. And I've done that. And having since then learned, um, now I know for me, um, having accelerated breathing, just any amount is, uh, is a sign that you need to take off some time. And what, another thing I noticed was the, 
you, you can get in a whole lot more if you uh, just slow down and relax into the into the workout and don't push it. There's a big trick. Oh, the person in front of me is smoking a cigarette. The the there's a mental problem, a trick that your brain's trying to play on you, where it's like you're used to running one speed, so running slower is actually um, a problem, and that's wrong perception. Um, you're paying attention to the wrong thing. You need to pay attention to how it feels, and then uh, slow down. And I did a little bit of research last night for a few minutes, and was just blown away by the numbers of um, Jesse Kropelnicki's uh, critical volume. If you look that up, uh, how much you actually need to be really good at, at uh, Ironman, and. <laughs> When you do the numbers, and he does the numbers for you, and shows you, it's 60 miles of running a week, plus um, 300, it's 298, so it might as well be 300, 300 miles of cycling, plus uh, over 12,000, it was 12,000 and something yards of swimming. Um, a week <laughs> in a week ends up being about 27 and a half hours of training and he pointed out that you know when you look at the pros and they're able to train that amount of volume that's why they finish and then there's a huge time gap between the pros and then the uh, amateurs so the curious thing is how do you bridge that gap and yeah, it's kind of hard to tell isn't it I guess you have to show promise at the shorter distance that you're good. Maybe that's what it is. And then with that promise, you take out a loan against your time and then go long. But it does show that half Ironman, um, you can actually get... So what's half of 27? What's half of 28? So 14? Yeah, it shows that you can... um, actually get really good that'll get you that amount of training that amount of volume will get you through the distance um, comfortably so that you can actually focus on the race and that's what I've noticed when I do about 15 hours of training a week I can complete a half Ironman no problem um, you know I don't have a an incredible just like system failure halfway through it so anyway, um, yeah, see, I'm having to catch my breath every once in a while. So it's, uh, it was a big week, 18 hours, I think of training. And, um, and again, I slowed down towards the end and just kind of settled into it and relaxed into it. And it was nice. It was actually nice in a way. Oh, I want to talk about grace and, and, uh, form. So, I have a theory, and it's something that people, they they talk about, but they don't really, really, really talk about. It's something to focus on, is being, is, uh, efficiency comes through uh, working on form. Through volume, you get more and more efficiency because you get good at it. So, you watch somebody that's been surfing for a long time, they learn to lean their body into it and use their body weight 
and swinging the arms and just very graceful, right? And I think that's the word is graceful. And the more you do, the more graceful you get because you learn what's efficient and what's not. And I was sitting there thinking about that this morning going, yeah, maybe something that ought to be coached is grace, gracefulness in all things. And then that translates to um, gracefulness and getting your, your stuff done, gracefulness and parking your car, gracefulness in um, everything. And that gives you efficiency and teaches you, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the phrase, well, it teaches you to just carry it around through all things in life. And maybe that's a good thing. Better get past this truck. It's towing a bulldozer. Okay. And then... So I'm thinking about all that because then when you're graceful, you actually get to conserve a lot of energy and apply energy to where it's needed and you go faster and, uh, and can do things better. And I'm watching, a Kai's watching a cartoon program called Teen Titans Go and it's just a stupid kid's show. But there's this one girl who's really graceful, this one character, one cartoon character, and uh, they're caught under a rock avalanche, and it's coming down. And it shows the other characters like getting hit with rocks, and they're fighting against the rocks as they're coming down. And then uh, this other girl, um, she she does the same thing for about two seconds. You know, like punches a rock, and a rock almost hits her, and it kind of stuns her. And then she starts, she goes, oh, you could tell she, like, remembers that she's graceful. She was like, oh, wait, I know a way around this. And then starts gently swooping around like a ballerina, which is grace, but was really hard to do. And starts uh, swooping kind of side to side and then choosing which rocks to hit and then avoiding other ones. Because if you avoid it, then you don't have to work with it, you know. And that's very Bruce Lee, too. It's very uh, picking when to attack and letting other things go by and using your opponent's weight against them and uh, judging and that comes from experience but I think you know you could uh, pick it up passively from experience but maybe it's something that you could pick up actively and like focus on like I mean they did have they probably still do finishing schools where they work on grace right and then that moves you through life easier and faster because everything just works better finishing schools where they would teach probably just girls I guess to walk with books on their head so that their body walked differently because they're balancing things on their head very sexist stuff <laughs> I think but still very interesting and that's it I need to go into WTRK oh today to eat um, I got spaghetti that Emily made last night and I'm putting a little bit extra salt on my food and probably going to swing by Freebirds and get a burrito. I might go to the pool and swim, but just gently and work on grace instead of effort. And Because that's a big thing in swimming. And then I have some Amrito bars. And I made a green smoothie. And for breakfast, I had Ezekiel cereal and 2% milk this morning instead of coconut milk. And I'm trying to think what else I did. Green tea, had some coffee, and flossed my freaking teeth, baby. All right, that's it. Out, bang. Well, that was one hell of a swim. All right. Kick ass, man. Went to the pool. 
Oh, it's uh, Wednesday morning. Went to the pool this morning. Almost got an hour swim. 50, 55 minutes is what I managed to squeak out. I went to the real pool. <laughs> got some new goggles. Ordered them through Amazon Prime. And anyway, swam bilateral. And yesterday at lunch, I swam bilateral uh, freestyle the whole way. And noticed that I actually went a lot further, farther, further, farther than I thought I would. Farther distance. And um, so I was like, I was kind of excited about it this morning, swimming and uh, knocking, out, knocking out a full almost hour. I was hoping to do an hour bilateral swim. And I, uh, in less than 55 minutes, just under 55 minutes, I swam just over, well, no, almost uh, 3,500 meters. So you do the Sunto Ambit, you know, and it kind of tells you that. And then the summary is 2.4 miles per hour. And actually, it rounds it, you know, down. So I was like, all right, dude, 2.4 miles per hour. That is nice. That's an hour Ironman swim on the dot. And the cool thing is, with for me, for bilateral swimming, because I didn't do that so much growing up, um, I'm not even swimming all that hard. Um, the hard part of bilateral for me is, um, is breathing on my left side without getting all dizzy and stuff. So the, um, the effort, as far as how hard I pull, um, isn't that big of a deal. It's just so fast because um, it gives you the opportunity to swim more streamlined and smooth and uh, focus on better technique. And uh, it's just uh, naturally more faster than breathing on one side. So that was really cool. I was just loping along, just cruising along and focusing on uh, breathing on my left side without floundering around, and I knocked out uh, 3,500. I knocked out a 2.4 mile per hour swim for almost an hour. So, uh, really, really, really nice. Okay, I'm um, listening to an audiobook, Givers and Takers, I think. Let me look. Let me see what it's called. And it is really good. Give and take. Give and take. Um, people who, uh, give more there's there's givers takers and then um uh, takers are like real self-centered like ken lay is, is the example they use you know they extort other people for their own uh, uh goals and are very self-centered and all this other crap and um then uh there's reciprocators i guess i don't know but it's exchangers you know they're more even i'll do something for you if you do something for me which is not that bad and then uh, givers uh, give first, and then um, in the end, they end up being way more successful people because um, people trust them more. Somebody that's a, a taker, they end up being kind of shunned and distrusted, and people actually work against them because they're irritating, because people think that they're going to take from them. You know, you're up, and in, in the age of the internet, the uh, people's reputation spreads, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook, and um, and in the age of the internet, uh, a giver's reputation spreads, and they have um, uh, just way better time in life. And you know what I was thinking about is I think it goes one level deeper 
is that givers are more productive because they're energized from being happy from the feeling of giving. They're always doing. Do, do, do. And people see that and they're like, this person's a doer. You know? Instead of, uh, if you take, then you got to put up some walls and you got to sit there and guard your crap, right? Uh, there's a saying about when you get a lot of stuff in life, you know, like you end up collecting motorcycles, art, you got all this stuff, stuff that requires track lighting <laughs> to show off. Um, then you got to stand around and protect it all the freaking time and you can't do anything, you know, but a giver, um, is they got some stuff and then they let other people use it and like, check this out, you know, and they're not that worried about it. Um, I would think a good example is kind of like a swimming pool. My parents have a swimming pool, neighbors with a swimming pool. And um, and it's like this with a lot of things. Uh, they can't use it all the time, you know. They're like, hell, man, if, if you want to come over and use it, let me know. You know, because they can't use it and they want other people to have fun. And then now they've given you access to their pool. Well, it kind of makes you want to, if they ever ask you for anything that they need, then uh, they've been giving you access to their pool, man. That's cool. It's really, really cool. <coughs> but anyway, I really recommend the book. I'm only just barely into it. And I'm like, man, it's it's a totally different way of looking at life. And it reminds me, I was swimming this morning. And um, I got new goggles and I got clear ones. And because um, it's kind of dark in the morning. So I'm swimming and the pool is blue. And it's beautiful. And, it, and it's just like, ah, so relaxing. So the, it tints your vision, literally, in this case, and um, it makes you feel different. And um, a perspective on life, like uh, whether you're a giver or a taker or a self-centered or, or encourage other people, um, is your tent on life. And then it affects how you feel all day and how much you get done. It's pretty cool. All right, I got to go. Bing. I think. Well, I had it set up. And. Alright, hello? Oh, okay. On my way to W to the ERK, I get uh, tweets from people with the hashtag um, work. W E R K a lot. I love that. <laughs> Name your fear. <laughs> Name it what you want. Anyway. Um, listening to uh, Dalston Rod on on uh, Endurance Planet, he is German, and it is good to hear him talk. And listening to analysis of Kona as it's getting closer and closer, so that's really cool. And um, did a trainer ride this morning, and I dug myself into a hole by doing 18 hours of training last week. I'm a little bit too hard back-to-back -back days, doing the four-hour days back-to-back, -back, um, was not good for Brett's body, and it has been really, really hard trying to recover, but now that I know what I know, you can see the perfect recipe for getting overtrained and wiped out is trying to keep doing what you were doing, even though you got into too much of a hole. So, man, I have had to back off. And I went for a run last night and gave up instantly and said, oh, my legs just hurt. I got no energy. 
And um, so I did kind of a run walk and then cut it short less than half an hour, like 22 minutes. I started walking on a hill like 15 minutes in. (laughs) Screw this. And I saw my nephew out riding his bike, which was kind of cool. Because I'm like, man, go out and ride your bike, dude. Good way to clear your head. You know, think about things. And he was just riding around on a cruiser, uh, just having fun. And I thought that was nice. And I told him to get home because uh, it was getting dark and he was wearing all dark clothing. And uh, that's not a good idea. And then... Um, read up on the definition of fartlek uh, because you know all these years of training and coaching and training and coaching um, I just assumed that I knew what fartlek was and I realized that I actually didn't know the exact definition and there, if you want to find something that drives me nuts it's not knowing um, that. All right, we are here in the Zentrap Mobile Studios, and I've got a special guest host for a brief interview. How's it going, sir? Good. What's your name? First time caller, last time uh, maroon shirt wearer? Kai. Oh, you must be Kai Blangner, the uh, famous child triathlete. Yes. With all the abs. Yeah. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yeah. All right, so we, today, I took Kai, we drove to the Woodlands, which is about an hour and 20 minutes from our house, and I did so because Kai and I needed to spend the day together because Emily was off doing work stuff, and also, I'm kind of tired, I'm a little bit overtrained, so I said, um, well, Kai, you and I started hanging out starting last night, right? Yeah. And we watched, what did we do? We watched TV and... And uh, I can't remember what else. We were watching YouTube videos of people drinking kava kava and getting all silly. Yeah. yeah. That was pretty cool. Okay. And then today we drove to the Woodlands because I read an article in the news Friday that said, hey, if you have an iPhone 5S, um, you might have one of the ones that has a known battery issue that's so bad that Apple has offered to replace it. It was a big story in the news. It was in all the tech news. And uh, type in your your uh, serial number of your phone here on Apple's website, and we'll tell you if your phone is eligible for the uh, battery replacement. And I typed it in, and it said, yep, you are. And so I said, hey, Kai, how'd you like to go to the Woodlands tomorrow to maybe go to the Lego store? Yeah. <laughs> so all last night, Kai's like, well, I really do want to go to the Lego store. It'd be so great. Because the mall at the Woodlands has a Lego store. And College Station, as awesome as it is, we don't have things like a Lego store or the container store or what? We don't have all kinds of stores. Apple, st- Apple store, right? That's the whole reason was to go to the Apple store and there's a Lego store. There. Okay. So we... Drove to the Woodlands and got there around a little bit after 10 with the mall open. And they go, oh, yep, there's a wait. About two and a half hours. Come back around 1245 and um, we'll be ready to take your phone from you and um, start working on it. So I said, okay. So Kai and I went to Academy. And what did we get there, man? Um, a scooter. 
What kind? Tell us more. A big wheel scooter. Yeah, one of the the Razor scooters, like everybody knows, but they have a little bit taller wheel. They're like probably a six inch tall wheel. Um, that's just awesome, right? Yeah. You used to have one, and we broke it, and uh, so this is your replacement. Yeah. And then, well, first thing is we walked from the mall, uh, probably about a mile, to Academy, which was good, right? That's good exercise. Yeah. And then we walked from Academy to oh and I got um what I call dad shorts which are camouflage cargo shorts and academy has some that are almost black they're like really cool they're kind of hard to see the camo pattern on so it's kind of subtle very professional executive you know camouflage it's executive camouflage Kai right yeah yeah and then, <laughs> that reminds me of you at the Brookstone the Brookstone store at the mall getting your back massage with the executive chair thing <laughs> what that was awesome Okay, so we, uh, anyway, we, uh, Kai rides a scooter. We assemble it in the parking lot through the box in the trash. And, uh, and then we walked to, and Kai rode his scooter to Freebirds, which was another three quarters of a mile that the other way. And then, uh, uh, ate there. And Kai, you brought your scooter inside and leaned it against the wall. Yeah. And the guy working the register said that he'll keep an eye on it because he likes to skateboard inside the store. Did you hear him say that? Yeah. Okay, and then um, then we went back to the mall, and we killed a little bit more time. Oh, yeah, like we went to the Brookstone store and played around on stuff, and Kai got, his, Kai got me in the back massager too, right? Yeah. And uh, those, chair, those chair back massager things. And we were having a good time, and then finally we went back to the Apple. Apple store at 12:45, and they go okay now we're ready we are now have you a slot to take your phone and um yeah even though the website says that your phone is eligible um our in-store stuff says that your phone is not eligible and I said I don't really care what your in-store stuff says I drove an hour and a half here and now I've been playing around for two and a half hours because the website and I double checked it I did it twice said my phone is here to get the uh, battery fix is eligible to get the battery fix so I think the guy could tell that <laughs> and he's like oh yeah yeah he went off and talked to his manager and then, okay we're gonna t- we, we will take your phone we've decided and um so now come back in about two more hours and we'll have your phone done. And I'm like, Ugh. all right. And uh, then to kill two more hours, Kai, what did we do? Do you remember? We went to the container store. But before that, we went swimming. Oh, we went swimming in the lake. <laughs> so Kai wanted to ride his scooter somewhere his new scooter at a park and then I go oh well this is where they have the Iron Man and I remember there's a park at the water entry at the swim start because when you do the run you go by it through it like three times there's a there's a park with a jungle gym and a big parking lot and sidewalk through the trees and ducks and all kinds of crazy stuff so we pull up and there's a guy with his uh, covered in tattoos somewhere with his pit bull He's like, you guys need to get in the water, man. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Pit bulls aren't mean. It's all in how you raise them. 
I'm like, okay. Anyway, so the uh, uh, ride just scooter around for a while, and then we decide that it would be cool to get in the lake. And Kai threw himself in. It was the craziest thing. You threw me in. What? Yeah. I don't remember. That's not how it happened. You fell in. No. By accident. No. That's not true. What happened? You pushed me in. No, no. Yeah. It's true. Okay, maybe a little bit true. Kai's standing on the edge of this, this dog, and I'm just like, oh, I just got to throw him in. The look on your face was pretty good, dude. Oh, and the guy drank carbonated water by accident. That was funny, too. He made this face like he was throwing up battery acid back into the cup. It was pretty gross. How'd it taste? Terrible. And, um... I gotta make sure I'm not speeding here. Okay. And... Um... Then we drove back to the mall and then went to the container store. We'll get to that in a second and some other stuff. But my, my whole point, it's so cool is one, because my car always has swimming stuff in it. I have a beach towel. So, like, living an active lifestyle is super handy because we're in a really busy city with um, people telling us to go kill time for two hours. Most people would go stuff their face with nachos and get fat and lazy. And we decided to walk everywhere and get a scooter and walk more and then go swimming. Right? Did you see the sign that said, no swimming? Yeah. Yeah. We swam anyway. Yep. I know you can swim there. And there was a guy swimming, and that's where people put in boats, and they're always falling in because it's kayaks and stuff like that. So, whatever. Anyway, that made me want to swim even more because there was a sign saying not to. And then, yeah, we went, we dried off and went to the container store. And what did we get at the container store? We got tie-down straps for the surfboard. Oh, and we got a new metal trash can. We got Mommy a present. <laughs> It's a trash can. <laughs> but it's one hell of a trash can, isn't it? It's pretty kick butt. Um, our current trash can, when you push the foot thing, it scrapes up the wall and does all kinds of crazy stuff. And this one's more rectangular and it's not it's not gonna do that, hopefully. And um, then we went back uh, to the Apple store and did they just repave that road some? Down there. And then what else did we do, Kai? Uh, well, they gave me my phone back, and I'm suspicious they didn't even do anything. That they just took it back there and then pretended like they did something to it. Because it's got the exact same battery charge as when I gave it to them two hours before. So I'm suspicious, and I can't prove anything. And I tried to get them to prove it to me by saying, that's it? And they're like, yep, bye. I'm like, that's it. And they're yep, bye. Like that. I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> a... <laughs> So now I'm tired. I need a nap. But um, we're listening to Give and Take in the car, which is that audiobook I was telling you all about earlier. And uh, we're on a really interesting part where um, if you talk aggressively, you know, like in a meeting or uh, to a company, a group, a staff, or whatever, maybe to your athletes, um, people perceive you as a jerk and um, uh, if you ask questions, uh, people perceive as uh, not only can you kind of lead them to the answer that you want them to go to, but um, they find the, their own solution within and then they feel authorized. And it makes them feel good to, um, 
What was that? It makes them feel good to um, answer your questions, and now they're engaged. Um, it, but it depends. This is cool. This is the Zen depends. The everything depends. So if you're in charge of a group that needs somebody to lead, um, it's like folding T-shirts kind of stuff, then, uh, then you should be more bossy. But if you're in charge of a team that needs a little bit of creativity and independent thought, you're encouraging them to think and come up with ideas which engages them and puts you as the coordinator kind of in between everybody, which is a more powerful position by asking questions. Like, what if, what if, we, what if we came to the solution like with this angle, with uh, you know, doing this solution on the weekends and on after 5 p.m. instead of you know, during the weekday? And then somebody would pipe up and go, yeah, we should do that. And then, it's, then it's like their idea instead of your idea. It's kind of weird. And, um, and then another thing that was kind of cool was, um, you can get, uh, people above you to do what you want or help you out by asking for advice with the situation, because what that does, um, is they feel good by, um, off by putting together a solution for you. So they'll put together a solution for you because it makes them feel good. It makes them feel powerful. So if you're having trouble getting into a class in college, so you go to a, um, a, a uh, an advisor and you say, "What would I'm having trouble getting into this class? Is is there anything that that uh, that you know of that could help me get it done?" And then instead of going in and saying, "Is that now that person is like you're asking them for their help?" And you're admitting that you don't know something, right? Which is really hard for people to do. That's that whole Zen thing that we talk about. When you admit that you don't know, life becomes a whole lot easier. And then the person goes, makes them feel good to say, oh, I know, right? Because it makes them feel powerful. And then they, they tell you all the different options that are available that you had no idea about. That's instead of you walking in and going, I have to be in this class. And I, you have to put me in. Well, that person's going to be like, this is a jerk, I'm going to actually work harder against uh, them getting into the class. There's an old ex Terica. I'm going to work harder against getting them in the class and uh, let them figure it out on their own. And they've done studies on it. Statistically, um, it works. It works a lot. And it's also a much more pleasant way to get through life. I ride down this road all the time on my bike. When I go for my hour ride, I make it all the way out to here. And back. Nice. Nice. All right, that's it. Hey, but Kai and I were talking about this was uh, one of our best days together ever, wasn't it? Yep. Can you put jamming your finger into a Coke bottle there for a second? <laughs> so he jams it harder. Hey, what made today like one of the best days ever? Uh, getting two presents from you. <laughs> what about spending time with me oh, and yeah. trespassing? Yeah, awesome, amazing. Woohoo! Okay, earlier you were being all like this was really great. Yeah. It's amazing. And now you're being sarcastic. I remember that, so. Oh, okay. Alright. Really okay. What? I really do, but. Okay, so honestly, Kai's being silly right now, but honestly, earlier we were talking about how this has been just an awesome day, spending the day together, doing stuff, yeah. right? 
and being creative and athletic and walking everywhere instead of driving everywhere and uh, swimming and getting a scooter and all kinds of stuff. Lots of walking, man. I bet I bet we've walked uh, three miles today just walking around. Yeah, 5K. Do you know how long 5K is in miles? It's 3.1 miles. Yeah. You knew that? Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> All right, talk to y'all later. Out, bang. Hello? Hello? All right. Huh. I'm running. Huh. I'm really excited. So, Kai's new scooter is the ultimate ride along with your parents while running um, device. So again, it's the Razor scooter with the wheels are at least twice as tall as the one that everybody has. And that thing is so fast, it's almost like an electric scooter. It feels like one going downhill, and you only have to push a tiny, tiny bit to go uphill. It's so smooth. And then... Like, unlike the regular ones, you go over a twig or, you know, a stone, it just rolls right over. You can even off-road on it, just on, on dirt and light grass. And it's amazing. Um, and he rode it some last night, and then, actually, he's been riding it around the house all day. I told him to quit banging in the stuff. That's when you can tell a kid likes something. When they like an outdoor toy, they bring it inside. I do that with skateboards. But anyway, the thing is, you want to, if you can, you want to have your kid come with you while you exercise, especially while running. You can talk to them and learn about what's going on at school, how their day is, who their friends are, you know, good parenting stuff. There's no TV, nothing. And you're outside, get some sunlight, see wild animals, learn street skills of how not to get hit by cars and stuff. It's awesome. But, you know, how do you... How do you make them so that they're happy instead of miserable? They can't run with you because they'll get worn out too fast. You'll notice, once they get to a certain age... A bike is uh, a bike is too is too fast and too complicated. Got to get it out of the garage. Make sure the tires are aired up. All this crap. This thing is exactly the right speed and so entertaining to ride. And easy to control. All it is is fun at the same speed that you're running. So Kyle will get a little bit ahead of me on a downhill and swoop all over the place. And he's playing. He's playing the entire time. And he's not like when he's on a bike, like going, like bored because it's not fast enough. So this is like a Zen scooter. <clears throat> When this morning, 
this is another indicator. This morning, she goes, you going to go on a bike ride? Because then we can't hang out or anything. I'm like, no, I was thinking about running. And he goes, really? I go, yeah, do you want to you ride your new scooter while I run? And he goes, yeah. And his eyes lit up. I'm like, oh, man. That's perfect. You know? So he went for he went four miles with me. And then he goes, Daddy, I'm going to go home. And I'm like, cool. So, happiness is something that takes it's Zen flow. Happiness is when you're doing something that's just challenging enough where you're competent at it. But you can choose when to challenge yourself a little bit. It engages the mind, you know. And so when he was riding the scooter and I'm running with him, I was like, that's what this is. It's exactly, it's that sweet spot. It's perfect. So again, they're 99 bucks at Academy. And it's the Razor scooter with the tall wheels. They're probably six inches tall. And the thing is really well built and light. You would think it was carbon fiber if it wasn't obviously aluminum. And his is anodized blue. It's pretty cool. Alright. If I keep talking, I'll forget to eat and drink. So, let's turn this off. How do I do that? Alright, bye. Alright, we are in the Zentri Mobile Studios. Leaving. <laughs> Leaving the pool. 47 minute fartlek swim. Doing, I did three intervals and I went until it burned and almost went to failure and then walk of 50 and then uh, slowly regain my, my body and then uh, you know, another interval until almost failure, kind of like lifting weights, good stuff and I'm headed to W to the ERK, start off the week, we're going to wrap up this podcast uh, listening to Brendan Brazier on uh, Ritual Podcast, and they're talking about how they um, neither one of them eats meals, which I've found to be one of the best ways to lose weight. Is you just eat when you're hungry, and eat for what's coming up next. The downside is you need to watch out for your teeth and be more particular in uh, brushing your teeth. I found because you have uh, increased exposure to your um, to sugars in your mouth. So what I found is I went online and because there's a lot of videos of, of uh, vegans have ruined their teeth. If you YouTube this, you can see just lots and lots of people who have just mangled their freaking teeth. And then if you look closely, you can find a few videos on. Um, Oh, and the reason why is you don't get as many calories per meal, which is good, and so you end up snacking, which is good, but then for your teeth, that's bad, because it's constant exposure, and the um, constant exposure to sugars, 
And then there was, but then I found a few videos by people who said, yeah, they went vegan and started eating green smoothies, stuff like that. And they started getting really bad teeth problems. And then they started brushing their teeth more often and flossing more often. And the problems went away. And I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) So there's that. Um, then, oh, let's see. Uh, last night went for a bike ride and went for a two hour ride. I ran for eight miles in the morning, Sunday morning, and then a two hour ride in the evening. And what I did was something pretty interesting is I just rode kind of, you know, zone two. And then at the very end of the ride with like, I don't know, like 25 minutes left to go, I did uh, three intervals and I'm out riding around the countryside and I found, um, that I'm a person like I get into crowded environments. I get, I get anxious and I don't like it. I start getting pissed off <laughs> and I am definitely a kid who grew up with some wide open spaces, not tons. I grew up in the suburbs, but big suburbs, you know, not, you know, houses were kind of far apart in the seventies. Houses were a lot further apart than they are now farther. <clears throat> and the, um, farther is a, if it's distance, you can measure it and then it's farther. If it's something you feel and it's not something that's measured with a metric of some sort, then it's further. I love that one. Anyway, the, um, uh, I love, it makes me feel so good having space, just space around me. You know, and we're getting less and less of that as uh, as uh, as the world gets more populated. I mean, when I was a kid; it was five billion people. Now it's seven billion people. But anyway, <clears throat> I like space, and so I'm out riding around the countryside, just going, "Ah, oh, this is nice, <laughs> so nice, so green." Just riding around, I just love it. It's nice. Um, then. Um, oh, so I did those intervals and the thing I want to leave you with is I'm coming across more and more, of course I'm looking for it. So I'm probably, that's why I'm finding it. Actually, I'm trying not to look for it. I'm just like noticing, um, more and more evidence more and more statements and more and more everything about getting strong is, is the important part. And then on occasion, very rare occasion going long to practice metering, metering out, you know, appropriate and appropriate effort. And then, um, uh, and then also fueling. So there was a slow twitch thread with TJ Tolickson who won, uh, Iron Man. He just won something, Iron Man, something anyway. And this is one of two things. And it was an ask me anything on social media. People were asking him, you know, how much he trained. And he said, first, get your power, get your strength and your power up. And then once a week, do a long ride. <laughs> but the most important thing is get your power up. And his, his numbers are insane. Three, I think he said his threshold what he can hold for an hour is 370 watts and he weighs about 160 pounds 
370 watts. And then, in, so, and then there was a, um, and the way you do that is you do intervals like you're weightlifting and you get that power up, you get that power up, you know, you get stronger and stronger and stronger. And then in your spare time, because it doesn't take very much working out. If you ever lift weights, it doesn't take very much work lifting weights to get strong time-wise. In your spare time, you practice going easy and longer, and that builds uh, technique. And so, like I was swimming this morning, the amount of time I spent going hard was like 10 minutes, maybe. But the rest of it was just cruising along and working on nice technique and bilateral breathing and, and smoothing out everything. And um, so then... The, and that's just an example there. And um, then when you go for a race, you do kind of a percentage of your of your maximum. And um, to you, it doesn't phase you very much because your maximum is insane. So it's so it doesn't really uh, work you all that hard. And the um, the other thing I ran across was an article on triathlon.com, triathlon.competitor.com or something, triathlete.whatever, I don't know. But the article said, what was the example? Oh, it was a treadmill test on strength versus uh, volume. And they said... Somebody just threw their cigarette out their freaking car. I hate that. The uh, I flashed my lights out of it. Honk at him. Oh, there's a red-tailed hawk. You get you some mice, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, on the treadmill, um, they had two different kinds of athletes. And <clears throat> no, 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 no. The article was. Um, how to avoid late race fatigue. You know, you're doing an Ironman and on the run, you know, you just come apart. And they said that you avoid hard efforts because if you do hard efforts earlier on in a workout or a race, um, and that's what they did is they had two people on treadmill and they had them do steady state or they had them do like intense and then easy. And the, the people that did intense um, failed later on. And that's, this is classic triathlon coaching is don't charge up hills and make your legs burn. It'll mess you up. And the more frequently you do it and the harder you go and the longer you do it, the, um, and don't try to catch up or anything like that. If you have a flat tire or something and, um, because, towards the end of the of the event your legs will be prematurely fatigued and you'll end up walking or you know whatever whatever if you're um and just bike ride then you'll end up coasting and kind of a falling apart and kind of a mess <clears throat> so then they said by the way um to avoid this kind of problem entirely get crazy freaking strong. <laughs> and so, you know, do hill repeats and stuff so that, um, in a race, um, stuff that would normally affect other people doesn't affect you because you're more powerful. And I remember my best ever 50 miler trail run race. I was just cruising along and it felt like I was just having a party out there 
even on mile like 30 or 40, because I'd done a whole bunch of squat work and, um, and, uh, weight lifting machines at the gym and had strengthened up my quads, like unbelievably strong, uh, for me. And now when I was running along and there's little hills and stuff like that, they weren't bothering me at all. I remember turning around to Devin as he ran by and he's like, uh, Hey, uh, how you doing? And I'm like, man, this is incredible. I'm having the time of my life. You know, and I was yelling at him and, uh, anyway, the, um, the whole reason was, was my legs were strong. So my easy pace felt easier and also I was able to go faster. So yeah, when you're stronger, your easy pace is, uh, is, uh, faster. doesn't take as much work. It's good stuff. All right. I got a friend coming up to the car, so I'll catch y'all back in a second. Hold on. Okay. I'm back. That's <laughs> one of my friends walks up to the car in the parking lot and he's the type that'll just start talking. I think I have to go and edit out a whole bunch of stuff. He won't even care that we're on the podcast and then I won't be able to focus and uh, wrap this up. Um, anyway, so the effort level for an Ironman, if you're, um, if you're a pro, it's 80%. If you're not a pro, it's somewhere between 70 and 75% usually is uh, how much effort you should give of your max. So you um, get really, really strong and then you learn over time not to do the 80% over long workouts or 70%, you learn to respect that because anybody can just be told to do it and execute a number. Uh, the problem everybody seems to have is, uh, oh, him an email, is uh, believing that it applies to them. Everybody thinks that they're special, including me, when I do this stuff. Oh, you know, yeah, my threshold is 200 and, uh, let's say it's 270 watts, right? Well, so what's 80, what's 75% of that? I don't know. It's like 200 or something. I don't, I don't have a calculator in front of me, but the, um, so you should not, you should hold 200 watts on the bike for the entire Ironman. And then, uh, for your run pace, you should, uh, run, um, like an easy casual pace at whatever heart rate, right? Well, you start biking and then you're like, man, I feel so amazing. I, I bet that really it's not 200. I bet it's like, cause 200 feels too easy because it is easy because Iron Man is all freaking day and it'll kill you <laughs> over the period of a day. And so you end up going harder. You end up doing, uh, 205, 210, and then spiking it up to 250 over, over hills. And then guess what? By the end of the bike ride, you're toast because not even the end of the bike ride towards the end of the bike ride, you're toast because you've been going too hard. Um, because of, uh, um, you don't believe in the numbers. And I think that the long bike rides, Besides uh, nutrition and learning what it takes, and I think they're, it's both, it's, it's learning to respect that by the end of doing four hours or five hours at 80%, 70% of your, of your tested threshold, you're like, holy crap, that is true. Like, man, it is, it is really, really hard. Um, I, I'm, I'm cooked. 
and um, I need to respect this uh, 70% and this 75%. And then you've learned your lesson, and then you're more likely to stick closer to the right numbers on race day. And what's cool is all the numbers, all the formulas to calculate how hard you should go are out there on the web. Like I just said, it's 70% for a total newbie, 72 to 75% for an experienced triathlete, and closer to 80 for a pro, right? And that'll, um, that's the numbers you should, you should stick to. And, you know, what's your easy pace on the run? And uh, when you just go out and jog casually, well, that's probably what you ought to start off the marathon at and be uh, running at that for a long, long time before you consider uh, speeding it up. Um, so that's my point, is get strong first and then learn over long rides to experience, to respect the, um, and also like respect the nutrition, right? Oh, so many calories per hour is not enough, right? I thought I could get by on being like uh, super low carb. Nope, didn't work. <laughs> I thought I could get by on cramming carbs up every orifice that I've got. Nope, didn't work, got sick, puked. Uh, and then over the long workouts, you learn, man, it really is like uh, whatever it is for you, like 200 calories per hour, 300 calories per hour, 400 calories per hour. Um, oh, I thought I could eat totally natural foods the entire time. Nope, too much fiber, makes your stomach hurt. You know. Oh, I thought that I didn't need any electrolytes. Nope, you need some. And uh, Or water, how much water you need, right? And then the long run, there's nothing, I remember this quote, God, who said this? Somebody important. There's nothing about a long workout that actually improves you. Um, they actually tear you down. You have to spend forever recovering from them. So the the point of a long workout is to remind you and to train you on believing how hard, even though you're going easy, how hard it is to go long. And that's really the point. And uh, I always belabor the point with uh, Chrissy Wellington saying she hardly ever, 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 ever went over a three-hour bike ride. What's the point? Um, it doesn't improve you. It just tears you down. You know, you just need to know what your numbers are and then stick to the right um, ratios uh, of those numbers uh, when you're racing. Okay, so that's enough of that crap. Let's see. Uh, I think that's it. We've got... Um, so we had Bill Porter on this episode. We got my friend, one of my best friends, who's a security expert on the next show, talking about um, how to stay safe out on the bike and on the run. It's really cool. And we didn't cover sharks because uh, sharks don't mug you, they eat you. <laughs> but anyway, that's Whaling Green. That's going to be a lot of fun. We've already recorded that. Can't wait to get it out on the next episode. All right, that's it. Everybody stay safe out there. Work the uphills. Cruise the downhills the rubber side down out
。